All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Man with freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. You are tuned in to the Spoken. Spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Lance Twidwell. This is the Spoken Podcast. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Spoke Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell What's good? and Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. Episode 143 in full swing, full motion. We are so happy and so privileged to be here with you, whether you're live streaming, YouTubing, or podcasting. We want to thank you for tagging along with us as we continue to go down this insane road that we know as the NFL season in 2021. It has been nothing short of unpredictable, and as you can see, I don't know if anybody pays attention or not. I know I do, but uh, we do this uh, thing every single week where we do some pickums. And I don't know if you saw, but nature's really been healing itself lately because one Lance Twidwell has officially taken the gold in the Spokens Pickem this 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 week for the first time all year. Yeah, you don't really, have to wait in ten weeks for it, that. It, it feels right. You know, I'm, I'm kind of like the Chiefs around here. You know, oh, like fucking it, Patrick Mahomes it, slump right it now. It takes all season long for you know the Chiefs to finally wake up and Lance to finally wake up. But I feel like I got my swagger back and I'm feeling really good in front of my two guys today. Oh, speaking of that. I'm going to give you guys three reasons in just a few minutes as to why I can tell you that the Chiefs are actually back. This is not some hoopla. This is not some bamboozlement. This is legitimate. The Chiefs are back, and I'm going to explain that to you guys in just a second. But once again, thank you for everybody that's been along with us, guys. We really do appreciate your time and your efforts, quite frankly. When I say efforts, I mean Monday mailbag. You guys sharing these things, posting these things, liking these things, commenting on these things. We don't want to do this, and we can't do this without you guys, so thank you so much. So getting right back to the Chiefs, because we got a lot to get to with the Eddie Hour Monday mailbag hold to sell all these things. But we need to talk some Chiefs, because I know that's why the majority of you guys are here today. So the Chiefs decided to go out there and whoop some ass this last Sunday night against the Las Vegas Raiders in Las Vegas in front of the entire nation. It said that I think there was roughly around 27 million Americans that watched that game live, which is unbelievably great for, for a Sunday night football game, even though it is the number one rated show in America. And it proves that by the number. The Chiefs uh, decided to do what we've all been waiting them waiting for them to do for about four or five weeks now, and to go and show their offensive prowess. But they did it in a very unique way. They did it in a way they haven't done since week one, and it's to do it without any turnovers and do it at a high level. Now, they didn't have a turnover against the Packers just the week before, but if we remember anything about that offensive performance, it wasn't much of a performance No offensive to begin turnovers. With. No offensive turnovers is what I'm saying, yes. And so we're seeing the offense finally get back to that place of normalcy that we're all accustomed to, which is an offense that looks historic on a weekly basis. And I said before... The, uh, I said back in episode 142, the day before the Raiders-Chiefs game, that the key player to me was Patrick Mahomes. And I said the, the real version of Patrick Mahomes. If he goes out there and plays the way we know him to play, not just against the Raiders, but against the rest of the NFL on a normal basis, he's going he's gonna to win this game almost single-handedly. And Patrick Mahomes did just that. We saw a Patrick Mahomes that... I believe, has been waiting and, and, and fiending to get back on the field. Now, I will say this, because I have to stay very consistent in my criticisms as well. We saw Patrick Holmes miss a couple big big throws in this game. Tyreek Hill was wide open down the field. Uh, Demarcus Robinson was open in the end zone. There was a couple throws that he did miss that I think could have equ equated into walk-in touchdowns. Mm -hmm. 
But it's hard for me to sit here and criticize a man for too long when he completed over 70% of his passes, when he threw the ball 50 times, when he throws over 400 yards, five touchdowns, and zero interceptions. Which, by the way, in case anybody missed this, Patrick Mahomes is the only person, only quarterback in the history of the NFL to ever have, ever have a game of 400 yards, five touchdowns, and zero interceptions. And he's done that three times. 26 <laughs> years old. That's okay. And I know that there's now this downplaying effect when it comes to the way the Chiefs played, how, what the Chiefs did, and how the Chiefs just absolutely terrorized the Raiders for this entire game. I know there's people out here saying that, well, the Raiders are a team that are now struggling. They've lost Henry Ruggs. They lost John Gruden. And these are things that are fair assessments. These are fair criticisms. These are fair things to take away. But the reason why I believe this is telling us the truth as to what the Chiefs now are and have been all along but are now finally becoming that again is the fact that the Chiefs had to do this. The Chiefs had to go on the road against a team that not only beat the Chiefs last season but made them work for everything they had last season in Las Vegas, the final game of their final the final of the two matchups last season, and the fact that everyone was then questioning whether the Chiefs are really the same team that they were over the last 3 seasons. They went in there and played by far their best game of the season. I would say this is the best game the Chiefs have played since the AFC Championship against the Bills last year. That was a long time ago, guys. That was almost a year ago. That was 10 months ago, to be exact. And for me, as critical as I've been on the Chiefs this entire season with all their struggles, I have to equally praise them for what they're now doing because this is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league. It's a sport that we can only give you what they are giving us on a weekly basis. And I'm here to tell you guys, and we can break this game down if you guys like, because I have no problem doing that because there's a lot of takeaways, but I wanted to start here and tell you guys why I am sitting here telling you today. I was it the November, November 19th, if I'm not mistaken? On November 19th, 2021, the Chiefs are back. They are back. 20. November 20th. Thank you, Eddie. I was one day off, but the, the message is the same. <laughs> There are three reasons why I can tell you guys that the Chiefs are 100% back and are Super Bowl contenders once again. The first reason, Vegas says they are. Not only do they have the Chiefs as favorites in this week's matchup with the Cowboys, which we'll talk plenty about later on in the show, they have them as favorites against a Super Bowl contender in the Dallas Cowboys with or without Amari Cooper. They were two and a half point favorites when Amari Cooper was still set to play in this game. Vegas also... Despite all the issues the Chiefs have had all season, they still have them as the sixth best odds of winning the Super Bowl, and only the Bills are the AFC team that has better odds than the Chiefs currently. So we can sit here and negate that and, and, and overlook that and roll our eyes at that, but Vegas, their confidence does mean something. It usually bodes well for whoever they say has the best odds to do something or have really good good odds of doing something. And for a team that, yes, 6-4 and four is a good record but not a great record, and with the team that had the expectations the Chiefs had coming into the season, and with the, the, the turnover issues, the defensive issues, Patrick Mahomes getting his own head, a lot of coaching issues, things that we've seen that really stressed us out throughout these weeks, for them to still be sitting here with the second best odds to win the Super Bowl out of the AFC, that says something. That, to me, tells me something that, that Vegas understands, okay, this team woke up. This team is finally back. They're ready to take the reins once again. We'll see how that goes, but that tells me something. The second one, the offense hasn't turned the ball over in consecutive games for the first time all season, while the defense has forced a takeaway in five straight games and have forced a takeaway plus gotten at least one sack in four straight games. 
I told you guys that I needed to see the Chiefs go in a house and beat a legitimate offense for me to finally buy into this defense. The Chiefs just held the Raiders, who were averaging 26 points a game, to 14 points. And again, Henry Ruggs not being there, 100% does affect that. But Henry Ruggs is not an end-all, be-all of what this Raiders offense is or isn't because they still had Derek Carr, a healthy offensive line, with Derek Waller, with Josh Jacobs. They had capable players. Not to mention the fact that Deshaun Jackson somehow was getting open and open space consistently throughout this game, and Derek Carr finally hit him. But what did you see the Chiefs do in that very same play? Rashad Fenton decided, you know what, enough's enough, booted the ball out of Deshaun Jackson's hands, and Tyron Matthew, who should have got the pick to begin with, it hit him right in his hands, made up for it, recovered it, and ran the ball back for about 11 yards. This defense is playing opportunistic football. I think it starts a lot with Melvin Ingram getting Chris Jones to come back in the middle of the defensive line, creating more opportunities for guys like Frank Clark, Jaron Reed, Derek Nottie, who all three had incredible good gains and have had incredible months. Nick Bolton, Willie Gay, Tyron Matthew, Rashad Fenton, Legereus Need, all these guys have stepped up. It was such a great defensive performance that they made Dan Sorensen look good. That's how great this defense has looked over the last three weeks. Now again, when you're facing the Giants and you're facing uh, the Green Bay Packers without Aaron Rodgers, you got to look good. But when you're going in the house of a, of a Raiders team that at that time was still in the playoff picture, and they still technically are now, but I think the Chiefs broke them in this game. When you go in there and do not only what Patrick Mahomes did and have such a great offensive performance to where his left-handed completion wasn't even a storyline, yeah. and then you go out there and almost outdo that with a defensive performance they put out there, forcing multiple turnovers, sacking Derek Carr multiple times, which they didn't do last season, and holding them under 20, I'm going to buy into that. That's going to make me believe that this defense is for real. And again, when you see the fact that the Chiefs are doing what they are now doing on offense without turning the ball over, which we have been stressing ad nauseum about that being the biggest issue with this team as a whole and the defense giving up historic numbers. Those are now dissipated. How can I not sit here and believe this team is back? And the biggest reason why I believe and know that this team is back, it's because they believe they're back. Look, Travis Kelsey's an entertainer. We all know that. We all know he likes to put on a show. This guy loves attention. This guy loves to be the center. He loves to go out there and put on a performance. But are any of us going to sit here and say that Travis Kelsey didn't believe what he said with Paul Gutierrez at the end of that game? When he's shuffling around saying, I think I got my swagger back. When you got their backup to their backup quarterback sending videos and showing videos to Patrick Mahomes and saying, hey, this kid's saying he's got his swagger back. You guys do the same. That's a team that believes in themselves. And I told you guys, when Brent Veach went out there and got Melvin Ingram, despite the fact they whiffed on him in the offseason, that told me this is still very much in it. They still very much, very much want to win. They have not looked at this season as a loss, even though at times this season I felt like it was a complete loss. This team didn't give up. And now that they went in there in a rival's house, regardless of how good the Raiders are, in fact, really are, they went in there and took care of business. It wasn't a close game for one second. It was 7-7 seven seven at one point. But within the, within the first two quarters, the Chiefs were already dominating. And had it not been for a Mike Hughes fumble on special teams, and had it not been for a Harrison Butker missed field goal, the Chiefs would have blown them out in the first half. And it was a 10-point lead going into the second. So let's, let, let's, let's look at this team for what they are now, not what they've been. Because you cannot tell me that's the same team. Whatever the, the, whatever the circumstances, whatever the situation is, whatever they got right, they are now right. 
And for the rest of this season, until they prove me otherwise, I'm going to believe this team is the team that should be the favorites out of the AFC. I know the Bills are a good team, and I know that they kicked the shit out of the Chiefs five weeks ago, six weeks ago. But six weeks ago, Chiefs and this week's Chiefs are two very different teams. And I'm going to give them the credit they deserve. Trevor, what was your takeaway from this game? Man, um, <clears throat> so <clears throat> my biggest issues with this team since they've been on this offensive slump, uh, specifically the offense, um, was just you know execution and discipline and we've, we've been struggling with that and those are two simple pillars you have to have you know that all starts in practice you know that's why we are all questioning <clears throat> like what's going on in practice are we t are we too lenient on these guys are we the focus is just not there because the production isn't there the execution on plays isn't there pat just doesn't look sharp everyone just looks lackadaisical and all the turnovers and penalties all these things were just piling up and just it was too much so the past couple of weeks man we've definitely been taking care of that um Outside of that one, you know, uh, Mike Hughes fumble on that punt uh, return, that, that just can't happen. Um, you know, but I, I think the special teams made up for it with that <laughs> that trick or that fake punt. That was, that was a, Tommy such a, Townsend, That was baby. such a great play, if you, want, if you guys want to watch some porn, yeah, y'all want to get that off. throw. Absolute yeah. dart. But, um, yeah, I mean, only four penalties for 34 yards. I will take that all day long. So that's discipline. That's discipline, man. And, and we our guys were playing – the defense was getting there. The defensive front was getting there. A lot of times it was just four. Uh, and the blitzes were looking good when we did blitz. Coverage was great. Dan Sorensen got a pick. It's his first one since I think he got a pick in week one against the Browns. Yep. So, um, yeah, if, if you're throwing the ball, if you're throwing picks at Daniel Sorensen, it's a bad day for you. Uh, but, yeah, man, overall, like, quick execution, the quick plays, the hitting Tyreek, uh, you know, instantly, those quick outs, uh, those are great plays. You know, running the ball 25-plus times, again, equates to what? Ws. You know what I mean? I mean, have yourself a day, Daryl Williams. My goodness. Receiving chops, rushing. The dude was just all over the place. He was eating the Raiders 20 up. touches for 144 yards and a touchdown. You know what I mean? So, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, and, and Daryl Williams. Pringle looked great, who I think needs to get more playing time over McCole Hardman. If we're being honest, he just looks, he just looks better. I think he's the receiver at this point. Um, that's the only, like problem I've had so far is just the, the lack of production from, from McCole Hardman. Uh, granted, Travis Kelsey, or uh, Patrick Mahomes has been missing him on some plays. There's been a couple plays. He could have had some big plays this year. Pat just, Pat's just missed him. Um, but I think Pringle's just a better route runner and better receiver in my mind, and better with the ball in his hands, uh, oddly enough, saying that. But Pringle looked good. He got himself a touchdown. Um, I mean, Tyreek was, I think, just the player of the game. Tyreek was incredible, man. I know Darrell Williams had that great catch, but rewatching the the game and watching those routes that Tyreek was running, dude, he was just out there schooling those guys. Like, just his quickness is what you can just see. His quickness was just way – I mean, granted, that's a weekly thing, but he is the – he's the – I mean, Kelsey, they've got to eat for this offense to work, and that's what that's what they did. And, um, you know, moving forward, that's exciting to to, to build on because for some reason we felt like there was a couple of weeks there where we felt like this offense might have been broken. You know, so that was just something. Obviously, they needed to see it more than we did. But as a fan sitting there watching it, man, we we watched it together in our living room here, man. Like we were, as about as joyful as we've been all year. Uh, and it had to come at the best time too against the Raiders. Um, but yeah, this game overall was just so fun from the jump. Um, our offense was moving from the jump. That first drive was great, uh, moving the ball around. Um, you know. Defensively, though, man, I think I think this defense. I think the last four weeks, this defense has been a top ten defense, uh, maybe better at this point with as far as points allowed, yards allowed. I mean, dude, what was my biggest thing I said when we were prepping for this game, talking about this game last week? Stop the run. Yeah, 
50, 50 rushing yards for Raiders. 50. 50. That's a run-first offense. And I think Derek Carr had like 13 of those. Yeah, that's a, that's a run. Yeah, <laughs> Josh Jacobs was absolutely a non-factor. And what did that do? If we're putting up points on the board and we're stopping the run and they're not allowing them to have play action, Derek Carr is done. Like, I, I'm not shitting on him. He's a talented guy. He's got a great arm and great arm talent. He's got a very good, accurate arm. But when he doesn't get that, that rhythm and that comfortability to play to, to, for the defenses to fight on the run and they know they can just hone in on him, he's in trouble, man. And that was a big statement win in Las Vegas. With that ruckus crowd there, granted there was a shit ton of Chiefs fans there, so shout out to those Chiefs fans, man. Uh, we heard them the whole game. Those Chiefs fans were just on it. Um, so overall experience, man, it was just as a fan first. Not even like analyzing the game as a fan. I was just fun. We just needed that. <laughs> it was just like a breath of fresh air. Um, um, but yeah, man, overall, offensively, we were just clicking. And defensively, this is something definitely to build on because that's not a bad offense. That's a good offense and a good running back and a good O-line that's been running over a lot of teams this year. Yeah. Uh, and we held them to damn near nothing. 50 yards is nothing, man. Um, you know, So to our 94, we almost had 100 rushing yards on 25 attempts. And Pat didn't run at all. You know, That was all our running backs. Um, I just think, I think the offense is working, man, with the, with the quick outs, the quick plays, execution, and then those little couple of passes to Travis Kelsey in certain spots is just huge. Uh, the offense definitely with the, the swagger back being the theme. That that's saying it, that's taking that's saying it lightly because this offense just looked. After every throw, Patrick Mahomes was out there just swinging his arms and yelling, and like it was just good to see that back. The animation from this team because we know that's what these guys are. They're a bunch of younger guys, you know. We had that animated bunch, and that's what I want. Uh, just be themselves, do what we do. But that balance attack was key for the offense. And uh, if we can move forward with that and this defense is clicking like they are right now, Melvin Ingram being a great addition so far, getting some good pressures on timely, on good times. Um, that's something to build on, man. I'm excited to talk about this next game for sure. All right. Uh, <clears throat> talk about uh, Melvin Ingram. Uh, we have three comments on Facebook. Uh, it says, Melvin Ingram is the missing piece on defense. Ingram has opened up so much for the entire defense. Ingram has opened up for Jaron Reed and Chris Jones. Both Derek Carr and Jordan, uh, Jordan Love have been under a lot of duress since Melvin Ingram has been on the Chiefs. Yeah. Hey, yeah. man. Just after that, yes. Uh, Mel Melvin Ingram seems to be that missing piece that, that, that the Chiefs veteran were looking presence. for. The veteran Key presence. ingredient. That, yep, that the Chiefs were missing. Yep. That that little pepper on, on that. Yeah. You know, just a little, <laughs> a little salt, salt baby. baby. Exactly. You know uh, that the Chiefs were missing, and then Chris Jones coming out uh, was, I believe, yesterday saying that the defense starting to click, pretty much being and, and putting that pressure on that quarterbacks that they were missing in the first mm -hmm. few weeks of football. Yeah, man, this defense in the past three four games has has increased every single game has been has played better every single game. I think in the and the. I can't remember where I've seen the stat, but in the last three weeks or whatever, if you 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 only rank the last three weeks, I think they are, I think they are the best defense in football in the last three weeks. I believe I could be wrong. They have the best second half defense historically. Yeah. Over four week span. Yeah. But six weeks. Six. six overall, 10, yeah. man, just the amount of pressure that they were able to put to to Derek Carr, not not letting him do do his thing. Uh, Derek Carr is not a bad quarterback. He's not a good quarterback. He's a he's a great quarterback. This he has been a great quarterback this season. This yes. season has, I mean, that touchdown throw to Edwards was yeah. great throw. He, he's proven it yeah. the, uh, this this season that he's not just a good quarterback. He's a great quarterback. Yeah. And the way that the defense was able to put that pressure on Derek Carr and uh, force him to to make those throws and you know 
with Derek Carr is is just getting that first hit on him. Yeah. As soon as you get that first hit on him, you kind of you kind of like limit his his abilities on the field. And and I believe that's what the Chiefs took advantage of. They kind of went in early and they put that pressure. They 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 were all of, all over him for uh, early, and I think that w- that's what limited him throughout the whole throughout the whole game. Uh, a, a lot, yes, a lot of people are saying that. Well, Henry Ruggs a, a, a big loss. Well, yes, it is, but he was only having, I believe, three four receptions a game, for like a hundred yards. So it, it's big yards. He's a boomer bust player. It, exactly, yeah. but he's only getting four receptions a game. So right. it's kind of like it, it's not changing too much, but it, it's changing your deep plays. Do you still have your your uh your tight end Darren Waller, Darren Waller. Mm-hmm. who is a fucking beast and 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 the Chiefs able hey, the Chiefs being able to shut that down the running game the Raiders didn't even have a running game yeah. fifty like, what running what running 50, game right and that that's what makes me so happy about this defense because I believe since the Derrick Henry game this this rushing defense has been phenomenal has been able to put the the the, the, the running defense down, yeah yeah they they haven't let no uh running back just run through them since. Since the Derek Derek Card game, I mean Derek Card, Derek uh, Henry, yeah. Derek Henry. So this defense is playing great. Uh, offense wise, this game was, uh, per, yeah, it was the best game that they've played all season. They were all clicking. They were all making plays. Complimentary football, exactly. Um, there are some plays that that Pat overthrew the through the guys, but I think that's just Patrick Mahomes uh, not trying to throw an interception anymore. People just not need to be to, faster. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> When you overthrow Tyreek Hill, yeah. at, <laughs> who could run twenty three miles yeah. an hour, <laughs> Tyreek? Come on! If you overthrow Tyreek, that yeah, so I think Petra wants to put a little extra sauce on, on that football. Uh, just trying to not not uh, if Tyreek can't catch it, he's gonna not let the other players catch it. Do you know what I mean? So he's kind of putting it away. Yeah, away. I'd much rather him overthrow it than yeah, underthrow than that. Underthrow yes. it. Yeah, so oh, for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, the running game was working. Uh, Darren Williams, fucking receiving wise, dime bag baby, phenomenal. That, that that catch was insane. That, <laughs> that could have been a pick too. I'm not gonna act like that, that was yeah. a pick. I thought it was a pick. I I, I saw Daryl like a, went cross body and, and straight just, took well, it from the. It was, it was so impressive they from Daryl. It. it was so yeah. impressive for Daryl to go up there and get that ball like that. But what was the most impressive part of that play? Just real quick, and I don't, I don't mean to interrupt. Is the fact that Patrick Mahomes had not one but two guys. Wide open on the yeah, other yeah, side yeah. of the, the field, side, and he yeah. said, "Cross body." It. I'm Cross. throwing to my backup running back <laughs> across the 40 field. yards downfield. <laughs> Who's I'll not say, open? That's the I'll, most I'll, Patrick Mahomes yeah. shit you'll I, ever see. That was a lucky. That was a lucky. Uh, I mean, he put it on the money though. Daryl was put up a grab. It was there for grabs. I'm just saying, Abram had no shot. Daryl's so much bigger, and that's why he did the little, you know, too little for me, homie kind of thing. It was a better catch in my mind. Yes, it was a better. It was still an insane the fact that he got the ball there. Right, he's running right and throwing it across the field of the. I get it, but, yeah. but the catch made the throw he straight fucking beautiful. Absolutely. He, he Absolutely. That, because dude. that throw was a straight-up pick. He was just waiting for the ball. It was a 50-50 ball. ball. Yeah. I, I think if he would have just went towards the ball, he would have easily intercepted that ball. But I think he was waiting for it, which it gave time for Darrell Williams to kind of stop, come back, go and grab the ball from yeah. his hands pretty much. Yeah. Uh, so, overall, it was a good game for the, for the Chiefs. Uh, are they back? That's the question that that everybody's uh, pretty much, I guess, seemed to answer and saying yes, they're back. And I would say hold on uh, just a bit. Uh, we also got to think think that the the Raiders are on a are going into that slump. We kicked going, them when they were down. We, exactly. Yeah. We, we kicked them when they were down, and that kind of showed it on the game on the field. It showed that the Chiefs were in there, and they 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 manhandled the Raiders. Mm-hmm. So 
they are struggling. Uh, I, I do think it, it, it's mentally uh, losing their head coach and then immediately going into uh, losing Henry Ruggs for the for for bad reasons and the the, the kind of the, the drama that that comes with and all that stuff. So I kind of I, I think it kind of messed them up uh, mentally and a little bit physically. Um, if the Chiefs are truly back, for me it would have to be winning against the Cowboys. That would that would tell me the Chiefs are back and they are a Super Bowl contender. Right now we beat the Raiders when they were down. Yes, I get it. It was a great quarterback at play, but losing Henry Ruggs was big for them because that kind of took away that big play. Though I said he only gets four or five receptions a game, it was still massive uh, yards that he was eating up. And we saw last season when they played at Arrowhead, Henry Ruggs with two receptions had over 100 and whatever yards. So it, it, it was a huge loss for them. Uh, so for me, the Chiefs are not back yet. They are on the come up. But if they come, come, come back or if they come out and beat the Cowboys uh, soundly or if they come back and beat the Cowboys in a great matchup, I would for me that would be okay. They are they are back and they are fucking serious, right? Because the Cowboys is a way better team than the than the, than the Raiders are. Yes, the Broncos beat them, but that was kind of like a fluke kind of thing. Don't you guys feel like there's there's something though that that, that could be happening here where there's also some goalpost moving because of the fact that look. I will not debate the fact that the Chiefs should have played better against the Giants because that's just a bad team. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're a sneaky good defense. They're not a great team. They've been hurt all season long, yeah. and Daniel Jones has been a turnover machine. So I'm not even going to use that game. But the Packers game, to me, like I, I really feel like that game holds more merit than it probably is in the public eye just because of the fact that, yes, ha not having Aaron Rodgers is in a humongous disadvantage for them, but the fact that the Chiefs defense still went out there and made a bad quarterback or a young quarterback look bad, not just young but bad, to me gives them credit for what they did. No, and the yeah. fact that, if, let's say that the Packers would have won that game, no. we're sitting here saying, oh, see, Chiefs Chiefs are done. No. The Raiders, if the Chiefs would have lost the Raiders, oh, the Chiefs are done. But because of the fact that Chiefs not only beat the Packers, but then go and beat the shit out of the Raiders in their house on Sunday Night Football, to me, tells me there's something that it has ignited in this team because they haven't played like that all year. I think those the, that that Packers victory was all defense. I, I don't think the offense was there. That's what I'm saying. That, yeah, that, yeah. Was a, that was a that was a half team victory pretty much. Yeah, they put 13 points, but but the yeah. defense has been historically yeah. bad going no, into get, those games. No, I get it. Yeah, but, but the, we, we saw that the, the defense was starting to come up from the yes, the Titans looked like a fucking horrible game. But if you look at the second half from that game. When the defense started clicking, that defense hasn't looked back since that second right. half of the Titans game. Right, that's why it's my confidence is it's only gone progr up. Yeah. progressing from. Yeah, we've, from we've allowed then. the lowest amount of points since then. Yeah, out yeah. Of all that's teams. what I'm saying. Since then, it's, yeah. it's this Chiefs defense has progressed drastically, and this offense is just now trying to catch up to what the defense is Which doing. Which is why I am of the belief, though, that there is a resurgence, just because of the fact that if they were just if, if they were just capitalizing on bad teams and bad quarterbacks right now, yeah, Derek Carr would have torched them. Is what I'm saying because Derek Carr going into that game, I think, was third in yards, and he's been a top ten quarterback all season. So with or without rugs, he should have went in there and had uh, 295 yards, yes. three touchdowns. But then we saw the, what the way the defense played with with Melvin Ingram. Right, Me Melvin Ingram added, added to that deep to to this Chiefs defense has been phenomenal. Yeah, has been what the Chiefs have needed since week one. And, and the offense is still trying to catch up to what the defense has done in the past four games, not just. And would the you Ra say that that Raiders that, game showed that the offense has now reemerged? So, so, so the Raiders game kind of showed me that the the offense is there when they want, like when they when they want to be there. Yeah. 
It's just now, can they keep that shit consistently? We've, we've seen the defense do it. We've questioned the defense from week one to like week four, week five. And then after that, it kind of like just constantly has uh, progressed throughout the weeks. Can that offense keep progressing from from that the last play at the at the yeah, uh, Green yeah. Bay yeah. the Green Bay game mm-hmm. and then the whole Raiders game? Can that can the, the offense take it to the Cowboys and it, it's still progress and get better and actually prove to us that offense is back and clicking and playing the way that they should be playing since week one? Yeah, and the reason I think that they're back is just a mojo thing. I mean, just the confidence that we were seeing out there. It's not even about like how many points did we put up. It's not the fact that we put forty one on the board we could have put a it felt like we could have put a 55 out there if we, we missed on some big plays but i mean we had i think like 75 total plays we had like 30 first downs yeah so almost half of our plays were first downs like <laughs> our offense was just completely clicking i think it was a, um the reason i think we're back offensively obviously the defense has been getting better progressing every week I think there's going to be some some games where our defense isn't as good as it's looked these past few weeks. There's just going to be those games because we got obviously it could be this weekend where our we could put up 30 plus against these Cowboys. It's a great offense. Or make it look even better than. But I mean, the reason I'm saying with our offense being back in my mind is just because the the way Patrick was looking, the the radiance he was carrying out there, like his confidence, that's huge, man. And the the play calling was different. The play calling was different. We were getting um, quick outs. We were getting the ball into the playmakers' hands quicker. Tyreek Hill was eating on those lines of scrimmage throws. The yards of the catch was great. We were throwing to the running backs, finally getting the running backs. There was looked like vintage Andy Reid offense, West Andy Reid offense, right? They're like Philly Day stuff. But then you got you got to think that the, the Raiders were not playing that cover two against the Chiefs. Sure, they, they were playing. But the think, offensive believe, play calling was different though. Yeah, so we were I, getting I it out way faster. More, more cover three. So this weekend, I think. They're gonna see a lot more cover too than they than what they've seen. Oh, I hope uh, Dallas. What, I hope uh, we can get there. But yeah. We will. We will get to that because there yeah. actually is a stat There's some to back mismatches up on that, that Dallas whole situation. Defense. I will say yeah. this though, to Trevor's point, the Chiefs had three scoring drives. And I'm talking about touchdown drives of ten or more plays. It's, in this it's game less about the production. It's more about and, us being back with our mindset. Yes, and yeah. that that has been the whole point of offense. Has been they've been looking for the home runs so much yeah. that they're not willing to take what the defense is giving. Now Patrick did throw that ball to Daryl down the field that was covered and there were two guys wide open most times you want to take the guys that are open <laughs> but that confidence reignited him because of the fact that Chiefs are getting what they wanted all game within 10 yards that when he sees that play available Daryl with a single high cornerback just a single high cornerback and Abram who's been struggling this season oh I'm going to take that shot that's how confident, that's what I'm saying. Patrick Holmes' confidence is back because he didn't overthink the play. He went Swag with his instincts, back. ran up, climbed the pocket, and shucked it right before he crossed the line of scrimmage. And that's where I'm like, okay, this is the Patrick Mahomes we all know and love. He is back. He's officially out of his own head. And we've seen Aaron Rodgers and other great quarterbacks mention this about you can get the yips and overthink things, but once you get that one throw, there's to me there's no coincidence that after that last throw against the Packers, Patrick Mahomes goes and has that game. There's no coincidence. And again, that's the kind of game that more times than not, you should struggle and have a close game because that's a team that knows you better than anybody yeah. and has been building their roster the last three years to before. beat you. Yeah. The Raiders have been building their offense and then their defense to beat you, and you go and beat that three scores. I think the entire league has, but yeah. Or four scores, actually. <laughs> so the point that I'm trying to make is that that's why I believe that this was the perfect representation. Now, they still got to go and prove it against the Cowboys because the Cowboys, to me, outside of the Bills, are the best team they're going to face all season. Oh, yeah. So Might be the best there we go. League. So there you go. That, that, that's what I'm saying. That's why. I, that, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. If the Chiefs are truly bad, like everybody's saying 
they would they would have to win this game. Because, I think. I mean, I don't think if they go lose by three to the Cowboys, I'm no, like, no, no, oh, no. I'm, I'm not saying lose. Uh, if they lose by three, and and they actually the yeah. offense shows that they fucking you know can keep up and trade blows with the Cowboys, mm-hmm. then you you can officially say like. Hey, they lost to a fucking Super Bowl. Yeah, right. like, I'm not gonna they, cry if they lose not, the Cowboys. This is, this is a pick and, em game. They would have lost to like, let's say, uh, the fucking let's say the Chiefs play the Jaguars this weekend. They lost. Like, oh, that'd be trouble. Exactly. Yeah. That, that's that's yeah. trouble. Like the Bills did. Yeah. So, <laughs> but but that's what I'm saying. Like, if you go and, and lose against the Cowboys in a fucking close game at home, at home, it's yeah. a good game yeah. overall. Like both quarterbacks had a great game. You you can you can still say, hey, that offense is actually back. Like yeah. the way they fucking were able to keep. But if they go out there and get blown out and the, the Chiefs get destroyed offensively, so it, it all comes down as to what can this offense do? Can they carry that momentum into this week? Can they be consistent? Can, can they keep that, that pr- progress going? Yeah, a couple, couple more things I want to mention before we get to the Eddie Hour. Uh, first of all, I'm really pissed off because uh, the key players I had last week were obviously Patrick Mahomes. That one clicked on all cylinders. It actually absolutely nailed that one. Uh, the other one was Juan Thornhill. And if you recall the Dan Sorensen interception, you know who went up and tried to get that ball before Dan did and ended up not getting it? One fucking Thornhill. <laughs> if he'd have got that, I would have aced my two Dan picks, said man. mine. Yeah, exactly. And now, now Spagnuolo's out here defending I'm glad all I week. Dan they're playing five hundred. Just <laughs> I'm glad I picked Dan. I, I, <laughs> I will say this: uh, the offensive line looked incredible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. Andrew Wiley, got to give him some credit. I know Clay Windler, our, our producer in Red Tribe Cinema, which by the way he made another bomb ass video this week. Oh, it was incredible. You guys need to go check that Shout out. out. Uh, Andrew Wiley, I think, did as good as he possibly could, and I loved what the Chiefs did with that whole situation. Uh, Mitch Holtis, I got to give him credit for this the voice of the chiefs got to give him credit it's something i didn't even think about but i went back and looked at the footage and it is 100 percent accurate we know that travis kelsey's been having a lot of trouble getting open because they've been very physical at the line of scrimmage with him so what the chiefs did this week against the raiders that i think they need to continue to do even going into this game against the cowboys is putting him at h back i know that sounds crazy but that's what they did multiple times in this game yeah. They had him in H-back to chip Max Crosby mm-hmm. because Andrew Wiley couldn't guard him all game long one-on-one. So they had those chip with Travis Kelsey, who's an Blake underrated Bell blocker. Did it a few times, too. He, yes, he did. But Travis Kelsey blocked several times in this game, and what it also did is it allowed him to free himself up when he would hit the Runs pass the rusher flat. and bounce out, and you saw Patrick Mahomes utilize that. Yep. That's going to get Travis Kelsey back into rhythm, and that's why he had his best game in about five, six weeks mm-hmm. because they were moving him around and shifting well, him into something else. allows him to get else. physical first because he's yes. been getting roughed up at the line of scrimmage with yeah, the corners saying, and, yeah. and safeties are checking him. So and, he's been getting kind of bullied. And I will yeah. say this, guys. Our, our our guy Tyreek Hill is putting up historic numbers. He's watching guys, the film again. He's, he's two touchdowns away two touchdowns away from having the most touchdowns since Jerry Rice in their first 84 regular season games. Two touchdowns away. If he has that this game against the Cowboys, he will have the most since Jerry Rice. More than Randy Moss. Okay, yeah. more than Terrell Owens or any of the greatest ever. It's pretty good outside for a, of Jerry Rice. Pretty good for a kick returner. Receiving yeah. touchdowns through ninety-four total games because the playoffs are included. Antonio Brown had thirty-one. Chris Carter had thirty-five. Michael Irvin <clears> had thirty-seven. <throat> Tyreek Hill has fifty-seven. He's better than all of them. How about this? For uh, this one went viral. So total touchdowns since twenty sixteen playoffs included as well. Keenan Allen twenty-nine. Julio Jones thirty. Michael Thomas thirty-six. DeAndre Hopkins forty-nine. Antonio Brown fifty-one. Mike Evans fifty-seven. Devontae Adams sixty-seven. Tyreek Hill sixty-nine. Hey, nice. nice. This, this guy is putting up historic numbers, man. I really hope that we understand with the greatness and the magnitude that we are witnessing because it seems like Tyree Kill, because of the fact that he plays with Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes, that it almost gets negatively negated from his abilities and what he's done. But people forget this guy played two seasons with Alex Smith 
and had 20 touchdowns with Alex Smith. People forget that. That of his 69 touchdowns, 20 of them came before Patrick Mahomes was even here. So it's such a weird dynamic that we have, man, when people say, well, Patrick Mahomes is so great because he has Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Oh, well, Tyreek Hill's so great because he's got Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. Oh, well, Travis Kelsey's putting up great numbers because he has Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. What what do you do here? Because, again, we didn't say this shit when Tom Brady put up his best numbers with Randy Moss or Gronkowski or Julian Edelman or Wes Welker. We didn't talk about this with Peyton Manning when he had Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne and Dallas Clark and Demarius Thomas and Julius Thomas and Eric Decker yep. and Wes Welker. No one talked about that. But Patrick Mahomes has these weapons, and all of a sudden we're taking away from the weapons. We're taking away from Patrick Mahomes. The fact, all I know is, is that Patrick Mahomes has two surefire Hall of Famers, first ballot Hall of Famers, and Tyreek Hill is going to be 100% paid when that time comes, and I hope it's this offseason so the Chiefs can get out ahead of it because they got some big names to fill with Orlando Brown Jr. and Tyron Matthew as well. Also, I want to say a shout-out to Noah Gray finally getting his touchdown. Man, I was so happy for yeah. him. Even though I picked Travis Kelsey as my guy, to score, I thought he was going to get maybe a couple touchdowns, but I would gladly let Noah Gray get that one. Uh, they, it was funny that that possession, they were, they tried to throw the ball to him. Well, he got a reception, and then there was a couple uh, missed throws on that same possession. But that whole possession it was like they were trying to get him a touchdown, yeah. and they succeeded. And that so says it was cool to see that. It man. says something that Patrick Mahomes threw two of his five touchdowns, or three of his five touchdowns. Two guys that most yeah. of the nation doesn't even know. Pringle, Darrell Williams, Pringle, and and Noah Gray. Yeah, eighty-three shades of gray. But that's, man. But that's vintage. That's the vintage offense we were talking talking about. Yeah. Spreading the ball around, get it to your main guys the most, but spreading the ball around when he gets in the red zone, hit guys. That's why I've been waiting for Josh Gordon to get his. Maybe it'll be this week, but it's just yeah. Because Josh see, Gordon's been starting. And to see something we haven't even mentioned Andy Reid, but I want to say this real yeah. quick, and we're getting to the Eddie Hour. The fact that Andy Reid again has done did something in this Raiders game that I absolutely have been praising him for when he finally does it, and it's something that I wanted to see him do against the Ravens earlier in the year is allowing Patrick Mahomes to dictate the outcome of the game. We saw on fourth and goal on the one-yard line the Noah Gray touchdown when McCole Hart decided to just run out of fucking bounds instead of trying to go into the end zone. He could have kicked the field goal. He could have said, I'll just get the points. No, he let Patrick Mahomes run an RPO and throw up to the backup to the backup to the backup tight end. Like that's that's saying something, man. It's saying something that this offense is that confident. These are reasons we just broke down like eight reasons why this team is back. They have to prove it against the Cowboys, and we're gonna talk about whether they can or will or won't prove it against the Cowboys. But this week, man, against a rival, a division rival, they went to their house and kicked their shit in, man. Gotta yeah. give him credit for it. All right, it is time for the Eddie Hour. He's got some pro I'm, I'm sure some thought provoking question questions Hello. across the landscape of the world of sports. Eddie, what is in the Eddie Hour this All week? Right, this week? Um, so I, last week I forgot to ask you guys about uh, UFC 268. Obviously, I know we're two weeks uh, yeah. past it, but I want to get your reactions to uh, Usman versus Covington uh, fight. Uh, what were your thoughts, your reactions to that fight? I, the only thing that shocked me about that fight was the outcome of how, like how it ended, the result of Usman not knocking him out and basically TKOing him again. It went to the it went to the cards, but he was unanimous. So he beat his ass. He just didn't finish him this time. I'll give Colby Covington this. He got his ass kicked a little less this time. But I, I felt like this was a waste of a fight for Usman, to be honest, because I know Covington worked his way back up, and he deserved, quote-unquote, the fight. But I don't know how anybody could have honestly saw that fight going any differently than Usman winning at a convincing level, because he's just that much better of a fighter. And I really hope that Chimeyev, my guy, Chimeyev from Russia, gets an opportunity to fight Usman this time, because he's 10-0 and so far, hasn't really fought anybody proven, and Usman needs a real challenge. And I think that Nate Diaz is starting to get involved in some conversations with uh, Chimeyev, and 
And I hope that Chimaev gets that fight with Usman. But Usman right now, guys, I honestly do believe he's the best fighter in the UFC. The dude's, what has he won, 13 straight fights? Something crazy like that? He's he knocked out like 10 of them? I mean, he's dominated everybody he's fighting. He's just a miniaturized version of John Bones Jones at this point. He is one of the greatest fighters in UFC history. It's unbelievable what he's done to this point of his career. And I don't see him slowing down anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, I think we all expected Usman to win, and that's what took place. I didn't get to watch the fight, to be honest. I was at work. I had a, I got called in um, for to work some overtime that day. So, and it's been a crazy past couple weeks for me at work. It's been very busy, um, so I didn't really get to watch any of that card at all. I just kind of kept up with it statistically on my on my phone. So, um, as far as my opinion on it, I didn't really get to watch it. Um, but Colby Covington's still a bitch. <laughs> Oh, I'm sure he's somewhere crying and, and bitching about LeBron James. I mean, yeah. and his canter are hanging out together crying about <laughs> LeBron James. Long it's like Jason Biggs. All right, now bro. we'll move on to last week's uh, UFC uh, fight night. Yeah. Uh, we had Max Holloway fight against uh, Yair Rodriguez, and obviously uh, Max Holloway won in decision. After five rounds, I want to get your thoughts. It was good to see Max Holloway get back in the swing of things, man. I know he's been struggling of late uh, in his career. He's had, I think, if I'm not mistaken, he had, was it a PED situation that he had? Or was that TJ Dillashaw? I always get the I always get their situations mixed up. It may have been TJ Dillashaw, but to see Max Holloway get a victory at that level again, yeah. I, I'm a fan of guys that have redemption stories, and he's really redeemed himself because I know he took a couple L's. He's still one of the funnest fighters. Still fighters one of the best. Yeah, he's so fun. it's like watching a bar fight sometimes. Yeah. You know the way that he's like lets guys brawl back and forth, back and forth. Uh, I'm happy for him, and I, and it's good to see big quality fights like that again because the UFC is in dire need of that with Conor McGregor, the face of their. Uh, organization out right now, not fighting. I think it's great to see him, uh, Max Holloway, and guys like that reignite some interest for the for the casual fans because casual fans is what you want. There's always going to be those core followers. You want to get the casual guys back, and Max Holloway is the type of guy that can do that. Yeah, I've always been a big fan of Max Holloway. Um, I love his free flow st- fighting style. Uh, like you said, he's like a, it's like a drunken bar fight. The guy, anything goes. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's just good to see him get a, a victory. For him and his family, he's uh, just a good person. Like I like that guy a lot. I've always liked his story. I've always liked just who he is and what he's about. Very humble individual for the most part. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was definitely it was a good fight. Definitely just good to see him get that W, man. And maybe you know this could be a resurgence for him. He's you know, he's 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 been around for a while, but uh, you know he can maybe carry on that wisdom and that experience to maybe a, a nice run here. We'll see. And then today we have Misha Tate against Ketlin Vieira, Vieira, and then Michael Chiesa mm. against Sean Brady. Ooh, Sean Brady's uh, 14 and 0. So mm. that's American guy, right? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, I believe he's an American fighter. So that's what we got tonight. So nice. We'll we'll react to that next week. Check that out uh, tonight. All right, uh, we're going going to the uh, MLB. Uh, so earlier this week, I don't know if you guys heard or uh, read online, but. Uh, Carlos Correa uh, has stated that Derek Jeter did not deserve any of the gold gloves he won in his career. Do you agree or, or no? I think the fact that Correa is one of the biggest choke artists that helped the Royals win a World Series a few years back is, is still really fucking with him. And I don't even say that lightly. I think this guy's really dealt with some some inner issues, and I'm not even trying to make it like into a joke. I'm being serious. I think that this guy... Because I've heard some weird comments from him in the past, too, about like how when it's been proven time and time again they cheated, 
he was trying to put it on other teams and other and the commissioner and other people. It's like, look, man, for once you need to take responsibility for you and for what your team did, and for you to sit here, I don't even know if I really want to address yeah, the sheer that's... ignorance of saying something like that. Look, Derek Jeter was an overrated defender. I will say that. I watched Derek Jeter's entire career. He came in the league when I was about six years old, seven years old. So I watched Derek Jeter succeed and win and all those great things. He played for a great franchise, the greatest franchise in American sports history. He obviously had great star-studded, talented rosters around him and lineups around him and made his job easier. But one thing Derek Jeter did is when the lights were the brightest and the stage was the grandest, Clutch. guess what he did? He showed up like a motherfucker. In fact, all the way to the end of his career when he was 40 years old, the last at-bat he ever had, it was tied 5-5. to I'm sorry, 2-2, to ironically. His number was 2. And hits a liner opposite field past the second baseman, which was always his go-to. Game-winning home run, or game-winning hit. When he hit his 3,000th hit, he went 5-for-5, five five, and the fifth one was something he doesn't do very often. Hit a home run, and he pulled it. Derek Jeter was special, man. Derek Jeter is one of the most special players. You can't tell the story of baseball without Derek Jeter. And this game has been around for over 150 years. And for you to be one of the guys they have to put on the Mount Rushmore of telling the story, for me to sit here and say that he didn't deserve something, look, man, that dude was as successful off the field, if you know what I mean, as he was on the field. You want to talk about that dude? You want to tug at his coat strings? You better come with a heavy bag. And Correa hasn't done that yet. He hasn't proven himself to that degree. So until he gets himself a hall of uh, gets himself in the Hall of Fame, wins about five championships, does a lot of things that Derek Jeter does. I don't want to hear from this dude. I, I just really don't. I, I don't even understand like the the context of that statement and where that even came from. Why you would even say that? Like, I, I 100% think he does deserve everything he got. Uh, I think he was one of the most marketable. Uh, and noticeable uh, player of notoriety uh, amongst MLB legends. I mean, Derek, Derek Jeter is one of the most you know iconic players in MLB history. Um, you know, especially in New York in a market like that, and he he's a big part of the success of during his era uh, uh, because of you know the of who he was. Um, so just from yeah, I mean, I'm not a big baseball guy, but just from you know the times I've watched Jeter, like you said, when the bright the lights are the brightest and the moments are the biggest. Derek Jeter was always a guy that you can count on, man. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's just a silly statement uh, in, in, in entirety. So I, I don't even understand why that's even being said, to be honest. All right, let's go into football now. Cam Newton uh, is set to start this Sunday for the Panthers. I want to get your thoughts on that. I love this. I, I, I love I love stories that come full circle, and I think this is one of those. I don't think anybody honestly can sit here and have a straight face and say that they thought. That coming into this season, that we would see Cam Newton as the starting quarterback of the Panthers again. I think we all thought, okay, Sam Darnold's going to buy some time, and then the Panthers are going to try to trade as much as they can to get Deshaun Watson, or go and get a guy out of out of college, or trade for another big time starter. Under no circumstances did I even think Cam Newton would be back in the NFL because I didn't think he'd be vaccinated. I didn't think he was going to do it. So I'm going to give I'm, my hats off to Cam for what he did, mm-hmm. for making sacrifices that he wasn't comfortable with to get himself back in the league. And poetic justice served itself, man, or he's back home doing what he does. And I do believe that to some degree Cam is back. Do I think he can throw the football like he once did? No. He's nowhere near what he once was in 2015 when he threw for 35 touchdowns, rushed for 10, and yeah, became one MVP and was one bad fumble away from winning the Super Bowl. Like, I don't think he's that guy anymore, but is he good enough to get this team maybe in the playoffs? Yeah. Because the way they're built. 
The way this offense can run through him, literally, yeah. where you have Christian McCaffrey finally back and finally healthy. You have these weapons around DJ him. Finally, Moore. yes, dude. You know what I mean? Like you, you get Kenny Anderson. These guys are back, man. They're Robbie they, Anderson. Uh, yeah, they yeah. have these guys back to where they can utilize Cam's strengths and 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 try to push away his weaknesses, which are throwing the ball downfield. Mm-hmm. They run the ball thirty times a game. They're still going to win games because they're so effective at running the ball with that offense and the offensive style. I think it's good enough, and I'm excited to see him in because it's a good story. It's a good, uplifting story, and if we know anything about the world as a whole, we need stories like this, man. And to see him say, I'm back. Man, I don't know about you guys, but as a football fan, as a Cam fan, as a football fan, I don't know how you couldn't just absolutely love that. We were pumped watching yeah, that shit, I man. I love Cam Newton it was so much. Off- His first two plays as a Panther again were touchdowns. That's fucking awesome, man. Yeah. Let's go, dude. I love it, man. He's, just, he's it. just great for football. Similar to how Marshawn Lynch was great for football, you don't want to see those guys go away. You know, those personalities, the Shacks, the Chucks, the, all these these guys, are just, that's just they're very unique in their own way, and Cam is definitely that. I mean, the guy is an extremely unique player, the way he plays the game, and just as an individual, post-game, uh, you know, pressers, everything. The guy is just great. He's uh, like the little Nas X of the NFL. He just pisses so many people <laughs> off with it. Just, no, no, I'm serious. Like, him no. just being him pisses so many people off. That's like, a good take. Can you no. believe what Cam Dude was wearing at his press conference? Like, we give a fuck. And you know, yeah, you know he's, very, he's very aware of himself. Yeah. He, he, that's why I love He leans into his just individual, like, the way he is. That's why I love him, because I respect that shit so much. That's why I loved Marshawn so much. You know, you take care of your chicken. Like, he just said shit so <laughs> You know why I'm here. Yeah, he just always was, like, this hood dude that was always himself. Yep. It's so great. Um, but, yeah, I, I love Cam Newton. I'm a, I'm a big Cam Newton fan. I always have been. Um, so, uh, the irony how this has all come full circle is so incredible. It's a cool story. Um, when I picked the Panthers as my dark horse team this year, I didn't think they'd be on their third quarterback, and their third quarterback <laughs> would be Cam Newton. That's just it's just a strange event how all this has kind of transpired. But I'm I, I think this is good for the Panthers. I think he's uh, he's got the veteran knowledge. You know he knows how to run an offense like this, and this offense is built for him because he's he still has a good deep ball. He's just not very good at throwing the intermediate 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 throws. Um, so his accuracy is going to struggle, I think, with that. But he's got great deep ball, ball guys and DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson. And then he's got a guy by the name of Christian McCaffrey. If he can stay healthy, that's a good team. And that defense is still solid. Uh, granted, I think Burns is out. But, um, yeah, that's a good team, man, moving forward. that could They could do some damage. I, I'm always a believer in Cam. So I'm excited to see what he does with this, this little chapter here in his life. Um, I want to get your thoughts on the whole, the whole fucking drama going in Tampa Bay with Antonio Brown. Allegedly uh, faking a, a vaccine card oh. for the NFL. Oh, it's the, the most Antonio the, Brown thing ever. The Buccaneers are the they're they are moonwalking like Jackson in his prime, dude. Yeah. Like you saw Bruce Arians' presser. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers' situation was bad. Like Bruce <laughs> this Arians, is way worse. Dude. Bruce, Allen, Bruce Arians was basically translating that I'm lying to you guys to cover for my guy because yeah. he said, "Oh no, no, we've been ahead of it. We we had all the documentation. They all had the, to have known bullshit. Yeah. You you can't tell me, man, that there's some chef." is the only one that knew about this and he's mad because that Antonio Brown stiffed him on some money. If that was the fact, why did it why did it take this so, so long for the chef to come out with this? No. This there was a scoop and the scoop came out and if it was not legitimate we would have had this debunked by now. We would have said no, because it's very simple. You can prove that someone's been vaccinated. You can have the actual database show those that information. If Antonio Brown was genuinely and accurately vaccinated, we would have that medical record. Now they don't have to show it because that goes that does go against HIPAA, HIPAA violations. Yeah, mm-hmm. that would be a HIPAA violation. But we can confirm it. It would be confirmed, and it has not been confirmed because it never was an actual situation that took place. Antonio Brown is not a vaccinated player. 
It's that simple. And if you get caught like this, like I, I put on Twitter, by the yeah, way, I said who knows this. what's going to happen. Now. I, I said, I, I can't wait for the NFL to take out their Aaron Rodgers frustration on Antonio Brown. <laughs> because they didn't want to do it to one of their great white hot, white knights. You know, Aaron Rodgers is too marketable and too valuable to the league. Uh, but Antonio Brown, we've been waiting he's to suspend he's this expendable. motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's a little bit easier if you know what I mean. He's got a track record of some bullshit. And so the NFL's probably been waiting <laughs> to get his ass. And so I think that's what's going to happen. I'm not sitting here saying he's going to be suspended for the rest of the season. He's going to probably get a hefty fine. The Couple Bucks games. are going to the Bucks are going to get a hefty fine, and they're just going to. He's already out this. right now. So I mean, suspending yeah. him games. Isn't... I don't think they're going to suspend him, but yeah. I think that I would I would be shocked if they don't suspend him like three hundred fifty thousand dollars. I just don't know if there's like actual. Is that illegal to do that though? One hundred percent illegal. So maybe there's actual legal illegal. action that like, yeah. the, the the government because can take you have to think him. about your your teammates and people around you that are trusting that you're vaccinated. The government made it a felony. Yeah. If you falsify, uh, if you fake a COVID yeah. vaccine card, yeah. so it's like having a fake. A, it's like having is, a fake passport. Yes, like. that is a fucking felony. Like yeah. you can go to jail. For That's what I'm that. saying. So this is a bigger issue than just within the shield. Yeah, like, but this, yeah. this is not just the NFL. The yeah. government can even easily get involved in this. This would be his first run in with the law. I mean, well, and right. this guy's. This might just be literally the first layer of the onion. Where, oh, Antonio Brown didn't have one? How did yeah, that happen? Else? Well, it comes to find out that Tom Brady may have known about it. And it comes to find out Bruce Arians knew about it. And it yeah, comes why to was find the chef so hush hush till now? It, yeah, yeah, exactly. Because if we know anything, why is Antonio Brown in Dama Bay? And I'm not trying to sit here and theorize anything, but there are legitimacies to what, who and what knows about so the situation. He, is he injured? That's yeah. There's a lot, man. I'm telling you, there's oh. a lot it's going a on, fellas. Now, now that shit becomes a theory. Like, is we'll let this, really injured? Yeah, we'll, we'll let the process play itself oh, out. Shit. But Walking boot my well, ass. I mean, because think about it. Now, now that since Aaron <laughs> Rodgers decided to say I'm immunized and not being immunized, yeah. now it's fair play, dude. Oh. Any situation like this that comes out, you have to be able to say. All right, we start. We apologize. We had some technical difficulty, guys. We are still in the Eddie hour. We're going to keep moving along. Eddie, what is the next question that you had for me, man? All right, man. Uh, we did talk about the Antonio Brown. Hopefully, you guys heard all the Antonio Brown stuff. Um, but we're going to move on to into uh, the, the possibilities that the Chiefs have with the Royals moving downtown and uh, Chiefs uh, owner uh, Clark Hunt coming out yesterday, kind of speaking on it and, and saying that with, with time comes change. And I think that's something that the, the city's not used to change. Uh, so, uh, what what are the possibilities of 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 Arrowhead when the Royals move out? Yeah, I, I really I'm so excited about this because we can finally have what I call Chiefsville, uh, where you, it's kind of like what pa- the Patriots have at Gillette Stadium and and, pa- and Patriots uh, we call Patriots Place, where they have like their own mall and theater and like their own Patriot shop basically, uh, and it's just the entire Patriot experience. The Chiefs can have this entire Chiefs experience now, where you go to the what it's currently called is a Truman Sports Complex. You can actually go now and have basically an entire Chiefs experience of just nothing but Chiefs. They'll have a Chiefs-themed hotel across the streets. There's just there's endless possibilities that could come with this, and it excites the living hell out of me, man, because this is how it should have been all along. I know that the Royals back then, 50 years ago, they had that situation. They've been in relationships now for five decades with the Truman Sports Complex, but, man... We all know that it's just such a better situation when you have baseball downtown. You have yeah. bars, you have all these other like situations. Yeah, you have the train going to Wrigley and fro. Yeah. It's just it's just that much better. And so now it's it, I think it's better for both teams to kind of part, where you're still in the same city, but you have your own little separate entities in space. Because like I said, with the Chiefs still being the heart and soul of this the city, you get an opportunity to really just make your own situation with all this space. Like honestly, as bad as traffic can get at Arrowhead, a lot of times. 
it's still one of the most functioning areas in all of the NFL because a lot of uh, uh, ballparks, a lot of stadiums, rather, for their football teams are right in the heart of their downtowns. It's really hard to find parking. It's, it's very cramped. With the Chiefs having Arrowhead way out there outside of downtown, about five, six minutes outside of downtown, you can just create your own little space out there, your own little bubble, and you can, like I said, you can have your own uh, hotel out there, like your an own mall. Park. Yeah, you can just have this whole experience where you maintain the tailgate experience, but if you want to go check a movie out real quick, you want to go check out some history, you want to go to the restaurants, you want to go to the bars and all these other things, you have that before these games, and I think that's nothing short of incredible, and I know the Chiefs are chomping at the bit of this. They cannot wait for that lease to come up from uh, Kaufman so they can blow that out do whatever the hell they want with all that space. I cannot wait for this, man. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, I mean, just look at all the renovations they've done inside the stadium, you know, just the past few years with the Chiefs Stadium. Um, there's been a lot of nice renovations and stuff like that. So I know that they're chomping at the bit to add new things. I mean, I know what he said was kind of vague. You know, he didn't really give us much. But it, I think we all are kind of catching on to the idea that they're going to move the Royal, you know, Coffin Stadium downtown. That kind of con- confirmed it, ain't it? I, I, I think in, so. In a, in a way? It was still vague. It but, was it was vague, but he kind of like made it seem like yeah. it, with time comes change, change, yeah, yeah, which I think this is. I mean, and if we look, if we want to be just honest with ourselves, if we, if we want to capitalize on what we have right now, in, in, in you know, in this Chiefs era, the era of the Patrick Mahomes era, we want to take advantage of that as best we as best we can. Is you know, get everything out of the way, make center this completely around Patrick Mahomes, the run that we have right now, the future, the other runs that we're gonna have with him in his long career here. Uh, you know, um, you know, broadening this market because we've been a, such a small market team for the longest time, and we we will never be on the you know the, the size of you know New York and these coastal teams and things like that. But uh, or like you know the Cowboys, things like that. Those are just going to be just completely different types of franchises. But if we want to, you know, like I said, capitalize and make the best of this scenario that we're in right now, I think moving the Royal Stadium downtown is a great idea for the Royals too. I think it's a win for the Royals. Um, having two separate locations instead of, instead of them both being right there. It was fun while it lasted. It was cool. It was a unique type setup. But I think giving creating more space for the Chiefs franchise uh, uh, to build, you know, whatever they want to build around the stadium, obviously it'll help the parking, getting in and out of the stadium. It'd be a much more uh, efficient because it is difficult getting out of there mm-hmm. sometimes. Um, that we, we can, you know, create more pathways for ins and outs. Um, but, yeah, man, I think I'm excited to see what they come up with, uh, whatever the new plans will be. Um yeah, maybe you know, creating some new like maybe some some kind of sports museum down there or something. I don't know. I don't know what they're planning on doing. But uh, once they get that stadium out of the way and move it downtown, which is sounding like the plan, I mean, there's so many cool things they can do with all that extra space. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see. I think I think it is time for change. Yeah. I think it is. Yeah. So I think the city needs a refreshing change of uh, certain things yeah. and locations. I said it before, and I'm gonna say it again. I, I think Kansas Cityans hate change. Uh, because they they're not liking the whole thing of Rose going to a downtown, mm. but but I think that's better for 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 local business and that's better for the city. I think in general, uh, a lot of people are complaining about uh, traffic and all that stuff. I mean, uh, I look mean, at the Garth Brooks exactly. I mean, you go down there to Garth, and there's traffic in any kind of event. There's, there's going to yeah, be traffic regardless. The Big tournament down here, like the cheese, the yeah. cheese and uh, Royals are so far out, and there's still so much traffic yeah. out there when there's games. Uh, but I, but I do think that Kansas Cityans are afraid of change, and when something changes, they immediately react to it in a negative way. Uh, kind of like the uh, the new stadium that's going to happen in downtown with yeah. the with the female soccer. It was seen that's with so, so it, it was a great it's a great idea, but it's been it's been it's been received by like so much negativity 
because a lot of people are like, oh, I used to go to the park all the time. Yeah, keyboard is used to. Do you go there now? Right. Like, I don't see that. Like, I drive through that park almost every single day. Yeah. There's literally maybe three people in that whole yeah. entire park. It's only a good thing. Man. Yeah. Progress. It's yeah. progress, and, and, and it's changed that the city needs. And, and I think this opens up possibilities for, for, for Chiefs for uh, – could be a, a new stadium for uh, look, for man. This is Kansas City has always been known as a rural city. Yes. You know, we, we're flyover country. I think, I think, not just Patrick Mahomes, but in, in, in a broader, even broader than him. This we're trying. I think the Hunt, the, the you know, the Hunt family and, uh, and other and other people, big wigs and you know, boosters of the city are trying to make this more of a major city. Well, yeah, major and there city are ways to the city. Yeah, there are drag nets that you do to create more events. And we're trying to get the NFL draft here, things like that. Once we like, start becoming that kind of city, that's only going to be good for the city. Because man. now you have because you, you have sporting, you have NASCAR yeah. on this side of the, uh, the side of the river. Mm-hmm. The other side of the river, you got uh, uh, the Chiefs, the Royals. Uh, and then you got obviously T-Mobile Center. So it, it, if the both cities kind of come combine and kind of help each other grow, this could be a major city yeah. uh, in years to come. So that's, that's going to be interesting it's to the see. Glow up, baby. That's We're glowing kinda, up. <laughs> can be interesting to see what we come up with yeah. uh, as to uh, that with the whole situation. Okay, uh, let's see where. Oh, last question. I think this is going <laughs> to trigger lens. Uh, About time. <laughs> th- thoughts on. Uh, <laughs> On the uh, whole Enos Kanter's uh, comments on LeBron James about the whole China situation. All right, so I, I've been reading on this, and uh, I understand. I will say this: I am in support of the belief and the stance against uh, Chinese labor laws. Uh, the situation they have going on out there, where they have young children and situations, people that are working for basically rice at this point to make these shoes. Uh, I am, I am a hundred percent opposed. I am a hundred percent opposed to that. That is, that is abuse of power as abuse of, of human life. Um, but, but this, this idea that this is somehow on LeBron or any player in particular, when there is, there are so many companies and for instance, these, these shoe companies that have been using these very same tactics all these years to me, it seems very convenient and I don't think Ennis Cantor is fooling anybody with his stance against LeBron. This is a guy who's been very sour toward LeBron ever since LeBron James whooped he and his team's ass several years ago. And Ennis Cantor tries to get tough with LeBron on the, on the court. This is a personal affair. This isn't Ennis Cantor. I'm not saying Ennis Cantor doesn't have a soul or a conscience or he doesn't care about people. I believe he does. But he's going about this in, the completely, in a completely wrong way. You need to attack the big picture, not somebody who's in the picture. That's a problem I have with him is that he's using this as an opportunity to get him some clout by going against the king, literally and figuratively. And it's and it's almost embarrassing because he acts this way from a distance. But then you see last night the Celtics and Lakers facing off, face off, and Ennis Cantor is a backup role player for the Celtics. And you saw on normal or on several occasions before the game where he walks right by LeBron James, doesn't even look in his direction, doesn't act a certain way, doesn't act tough, definitely doesn't say shit to LeBron James. Because it's, that would actually take some balls to do. And it just, to me, is very cowardly how he's handled this. I think it's wrong. I think that his, his message can be right. I think there's nuance to it. And I think that he could have went about this a whole different way and I would have been on his side. But at this point, it's just, to me, I think that this is just an opportunity for Ennis Cantor to utilize a situation, use half-truths to make himself look better, while also trying to shit on LeBron James as a guy he just clearly doesn't like. And I think it's, I think it's shameful. 
Yeah, I didn't I didn't read too much into it. I was busy at work when all that was coming out, and you guys were talking about it on the thread, so I didn't really like dive into it and read it uh, word for word. Uh, I knew he was wearing some Jordans, right, with like some words. He has LeBron James bowing or getting crowned by the Chinese emperor. Or whatever well, I think he's, he's worn two different shoes like that. Yeah. Um, and one of the shoes he was wearing, talking about, um, you know, slave work, stop slave work or whatever, he was wearing Jordans. That's my point. He's wearing Michael Jordan shoes that are made the same made, way, made by my, by Nike. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so still the same practice. Yeah, so I mean that's a self defeating stance <laughs> right off the bat. So I mean, how can I even respect? Someone that's why I said who, it's personal. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, that's yeah. I don't know. That's um, that's like <laughs> me. That's point. like me sipping on some coffee, saying someone has a caffeine problem. I, <laughs> you know, what I mean, like I don't, I I can't respect takes like that, especially with a guy that has a past of trying to like. Come out LeBron sideways all the time. It's just, it's just, this is just pure nibbling at the nuts type of you know situation where you're trying. He's trying to. Can I have some? Can I have some? That's what this is like. This is this is pez. That's a peasant take, man. Yeah. Um. So and I and I look and I've stood with Ennis Cantor on certain things he's dealt with with his personal life and you know the Turkish government and all that shit that was going on was messed up. And he's come from some shit. I'll give him that. But dude, don't come at the king like that, man. That's just silly. That's just a guy that sends that is paid for. 50, well, over thousands of kids going to college, completely covered and has programs set up to cover, you know, kids from the slums to go get a college education, has a fucking school, has a school, <laughs> you well, know, like, get, get more personal about it, like, because of guys like LeBron James, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, big polarizing figures like them, mm. guys like Ennis Kinner have jobs, think about it. Before Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, you know how dead the, NF- the NBA was? It was dead. They had pre, pre-taped games that they would show after the local news. Yeah. But because of Magic Johnson and Larry Bird, the game gained popularity. Because of Michael Jordan, the game was maintained in popularity. And because of guys like LeBron James and guys like that, you see them on primetime television every single night because people come to see those guys. So and because of that, money elevates. Hey, he's nibbling up the nuts. And, and his candidate gets paid because of that. To be a shit basketball player looks like long-legged Jason Biggs. Yeah, so, I don't. I mean, hey, Ennis, you did a great job uh, walking around on your knees in American Pie, all those movies. But your NBA career, man, is now becoming <laughs> a fallacy by you trying to take this political stance against one figurehead while still wearing the same shoes, like Trevor said, that are made in China the way the LeBron James shoes yeah. are made in China. I mean, if we're going to be honest, on, like, the majority of shit in this country is made outside of this country. So, like, we are imported. We import shit. That, that's just <laughs> – it's an unfortunate truth, man. It's an unfortunate truth. And I am against child labor. Obviously, all that shit that's going on, it's – it's just it's, that's just a a petty attack in my mind, and from a guy that you know, a bench riding player for the most part in this league, it's just I I, don't, I think I think LeBron responded, I think, but I don't I don't know I don't even feel like this guy deserves any oxygen after that man to be honest. Uh, and it looks like mm, he used the same shoes he used last night the the other time you're saying, so they weren't yeah. Jordans. No, there was there was another pair. The first time he he had did something like that. He yeah, wore, so like the it looks like. Uh, the Beijing shit is the same shoes he wore last night. So I don't know. Probably yeah, last. He decided to do that now. That, probably, the night he's not wearing Nike shoes. Probably last year. <laughs> no, these are from October thirtieth. Mm. So he, I don't know if he wears Nike after that. <laughs> after that, now that now that he's done wearing Nikes, this is. <laughs> I, I, yeah, like you know I don't know. Like, I these don't guys know. all wear Nikes and Adidas and all these shoes. Like this is not. I know the jerseys. I'm sure are he has Nike. an iPhone too. Well, you know the jersey's I mean? Nike. Right. I'm just saying, I'm sure he has an iPhone. I'm sure he has all these things. Like, well, here's the like, thing. If Ennis Cantor actually believed what he said, he wouldn't be playing in the NBA. Exactly, man. 
because the NBA is still they still work with China. Yeah. That's what's so funny. Like he wants to call this is what I'm saying, LeBron James. He's calling out one person when the entire league is doing this. No. So if you really care, call out the NBA and disband yourself and say, I can't I can't be represented by this notion. Yeah. That's what's so funny. This, this is a personal matter. Yeah, it's a personal matter. He's, such a he's, he's using a big a, situation. To attack LeBron as like some disgusting. catalyst for all the Chinese, you know, <laughs> slave work. Like, bro, that that's one person. It's just I, I think what he what, the message he's trying to get across is a it's a good idea, but the way he's getting it across is exactly not. Right. That's exactly right. But so, I mean, crushing LeBron James' morals is a big issue for me, man. Yeah. So, from what he you, came you can despise from, the player. From what he came from, what he's done for thousands of kids yeah. that had no opportunity, started a school in, a, in an area for kids that didn't have much opportunity. You know, being from a kid from Akron with no real future outside of his pure athleticism, the dude has became became a mogul yeah. from a you know a fatherless kid in Akron. That's fucking disrespectful, bro. I'm sorry. Like you can get mad about what he uses to to, to produ- provide his products. That's every big corporate American product almost. Stop you from calling you know what I mean? Rest. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. I wonder where his jerseys and the NBA jerseys are That's being made. If you if you really believe something, be consistent with it. That's yeah, all I'm saying. Attacking LeBron is just a clout chasing. Be thing consistent all the way so, across the board, man. Tell me how you feel about all the other stuff. You don't stop at one. Because if you're a, if you're an activist or you're someone who's genuinely out here to seek justice for a certain per, uh, ethnicity of people, cool. Be consistent. Say Nike, you too. Uh, NBA, you too. Don't stop with LeBron. If he did, if he didn't stop with LeBron, it'd be like, well, he makes a valid point. Like here. I said, I'm sure he has. I know this is a vendetta. It's a vendetta. It's a vendetta. All right, yeah. what we got? All right, that's it for uh, the Eddie Hour. Mailbag time. We're right. going to get to you people each and every week, man. It's your guys' opportunity to take over the show for an entire segment. What's in the mailbag? All right. Uh, first, we got uh, uh, Shane Williams, uh, Shaggy Shane, a uh, friend of the show. Uh, Jordy Forson was having an amazing year before his injury. While catching his first TD last night on fourth down, do you do you see Noah Gray being as consistent as Forson moving forward? I, I, at this time, I'm going to say no just because of the fact that I saw more from Fortson before he tore his Achilles. I saw that the Chiefs really trusted him in the red zone. Now, Noah Gray may start taking off like that, but I think that was a very circumstantial situation where, hey, look, this is a perfect setup for having Noah Gray in the offense. I will say, obviously, because of the absence of Jody Fortson, there is that potential. But I'm honestly at the point now, man, where I, I want to see more of those targets go to guys where, where people were bigger on, like Josh Gordon. I want to see those targets go to guys like him because he was brought in to actually contribute. Noah Gray's still working his way into this offense as a rookie. Yeah. So I'm not putting expectation on Noah Gray, like I said, from the beginning of the season. Whatever Noah Gray does to, for, the, for the rest of the season is only a positive. It's only a positive because there are zero expectations on him. Josh Gordon was brought here expected to produce. He's a veteran. I want to see that come from him more so than Noah Gray. But, man, if we get it from Noah Gray more often, that's cherry on top, baby. Yeah, I mean um... – First of all, he's a rookie tight end. Rookie tight ends don't – it usually takes uh, tight ends, you know, a good two to three years to find that – who they are and find that rhythm, let alone coming into this offense and learning this offense, which is a very complicated, very dense with information type of offense, especially for the tight end. Um, uh, Jody Fortson was just a more prepared XY receiver, better route runner, bigger, just a more, you know, um, more of a presence. And I do believe that's why I thought that Josh Gordon was kind of going to be that replacement for Jody Fortson. Similar body type, similar size, good route runner, good deep ball guy. Um, you know, so I, I think losing Jody Fortson was a big blow to this offense because we were really starting to see him kind of come into his own. Um, but I mean, 
tight end, like I said, he's a rookie tight end, so I'm not expecting a lot. I was very, very, very happy for him because I like him a lot. I like his style. Um, I like that he got – it was a get-up-and-get-it ball in the end zone. I like that he went up and got it on a fourth down to get a touchdown. That's a big moment for him. I think that could be a big – moving forward, this could be, you know, that could be, a, a for him personally, a confidence booster. Uh, you know, they were – they threw it on that possession – they threw to him like three straight times to get him. They wanted him to score on that, that possession. They wanted to get him that ball and get his confidence up, and they succeeded at it. He succeeded at it. Me being a big tight end guy, I was so stoked for him just, just to see that. Um, happy for the kid. I think he could be more um, using this offense moving forward, and I think that only helps this offense because we the more tight ends I like, I think it's just better, um, especially for blocking and just mixing up formations. It, it definitely makes it harder on the defense when you have multiple tight ends uh, that are athletic especially. Um, so – Jody Fortson was the better talent in my mind. He was more prepared and knew this offense better. Um, and there was just better talented wise with the wide receiver background and everything. But Noah Gray could definitely become that guy. I want to see Josh Gordon get in the mix, though. He's been starting. He just hasn't really been getting targeted. Um, hopefully down the stretch that happens. But, yeah, Jody Fortson was a big loss. But Noah Gray, I, I would expect Noah Gray maybe over the next couple seasons to be more of a, a, a guy. More of a Travis Kelsey? I, I mean, we drafted him high enough to be possibly that. I mean, right around the same time, you know, so – I hope so. I mean, Travis Kelsey ain't gonna be here forever, man. And if Gray can, Gray's got the athleticism. Um, just hopefully he can just learn, just learn the offense, man. Take your time. Tight ends, it takes time for tight ends to become. No, very rarely are tight ends great right away. Oh yeah, it took it's, Kelsey a few years. Yeah, yeah. even yeah. even and you know Antonio Gates and a lot of these Shannon Sharp, a lot of these guys had to learn the system, you know, and become especially in today's age. But I think younger tight ends nowadays have a better chance of becoming great, like the Kyle Pitts. Now we've seen him have a big year for a rookie tight end, mm-hmm. maybe the, one of the biggest so far. Um, so it's just rare to see tight ends just take off. Um, but yeah, I think he can definitely become a guy in this offense, man. Next question comes from Billy Hodge. Where is Josh Gordon? <laughs> what? Where's Walt? Luckily, he's not, and I'm not saying this in a joking format. I'm being serious. He hasn't been back in rehab. He hasn't done anything stupid. Yeah. So that's a, that's, that's a positive. I think that's also a, a win for the Chiefs to show that they can help with guys that have addiction problems and things of that nature. He's been out of trouble. He's been doing his thing. Uh, as far as production, guys, look, he hasn't caught a pass since week five, and it was an absolute blowout against the Bills. So yeah. I told everybody from the beginning when I heard the, Chief, the Chiefs got Josh Gordon that I'm expecting very little from him because you just you don't just walk in and out of the NFL and continue to succeed. Even the best of the best don't do that. It, it, it's a league that passes you by very quickly if you're not you know in lockstep with it. Uh, I, I don't I don't have any real expectation from Josh Gordon. I'd love to see him produce because he was brought here to do that, like I just said five minutes ago. But at this point, man, he's been here now for almost two months, and he's done nothing, literally nothing. He's out there getting snaps, yeah. but he's not getting open. He's not creating space. And obviously and clearly Patrick Holmes doesn't trust him enough to throw him the ball. You would think that the Chiefs would be writing things up schematically to get him open because – we saw them force the ball, force feed the ball to McCole Harbin on the jet sweeps and these little dink and dunks to get him out in space. You would think they would design things like that for him. And, I, and it leads me to believe that maybe he just has not cut off of the offense. And this is why I was ultimately not opposed to OBJ coming to Kansas City if they could have got him. I wasn't very excited about it because of how long it would take him to learn this offense. This is a very, very, very detailed offense, a very difficult offense to learn. Travis Kelsey told us that it took him to almost 2016 to really fully grasp the offense. That was with Alex Smith. He was drafted in 2013. That was with Alex Smith's offense. Yeah. (laughs) So you have to understand, like, how detailed and how long it can take a receiver to learn this offense. So I'm going to give Josh Gordon a little bit of a pass. But even when he learns it, when that day comes – 
Are we really expecting him to really become that guy? So I, I, to answer the question, Billy, I don't know. He's just a guy that's not producing. That's all I can give you. Yeah, I love Josh Gordon. Um, I, I the main the main thing that had me excited when we did bring him over here. I wanted to all I, I didn't have too high of expectations. I didn't expect him to come in here and even be the third wide receiver. That could still happen down the stretch this year. Um, he could have some good production as the stretch goes on. Um, but I really just wanted him as like a possession receiver, a red zone threat. Just utilize his size and his ability just to post up a defender, get up and get it. You know, go get a first down on a third and long or something. You know, having a tall, athletic guy out there like that is, is like I said, similar to Jody Fortson. Having a force out there, a big, athletic dude that can jump, still has a ver- very good vertical, very athletic, still still a young guy. He's not old. He's in the prime of his age-wise. So um, I just I want to see him use more in the red zone. I want to see him use more um, on, you know, third and longs and, you know, getting to the sticks and things like that, you know, mixing things up. He's on the field. He just hasn't been getting – you know what? Look, man, when you have two absolute elite weapons in Travis Kelsey and, and, Ty- and Tyreek Hill who have the utmost trust from Patrick Mahomes, he's going to look their way first. And second. And third. You know, he's going to wait for things to happen because he knows that they will do what he needs them to do when he gets them the ball. So Josh Gordon is, you know, fourth, fifth on pecking order, probably per snap, unless there's a design play for him. You know, but I do want to see some more design plays from him. Um, and I think we'll see him get some more opportunities down the, down the stretch here. But, um, yeah, I mean, if he can get, you know, two, three touchdowns, four touchdowns, maybe the rest of the way here, I'll be good with that. I'll be good with that. Just use him. I want to see him use more in the red zone mainly. I do think his time's coming. Yeah. I think Andy Reid said that his time is also coming. So and I like uh, that they're taking their time with him. Really. Yeah, I, I feel like they are actually trying to prepare him for, for, the, for that playoff run, for, for that last stretch, that, it, last, that last home stretch. I think that's what they're preparing Josh Gordon for, which I think he's going to go off in one game. But yeah, we'll that see. Could happen. We'll see. All right, next question comes from Shaggy Shane. Uh, just, heard, just heard Clark Hunt's press conference, and he sincerely sounds like he wants to stay at the Truman Sports Complex. When the lease expires in nine years, while he knows the Royals want to go downtown, Clark said he would like to know what they would use in the space where uh, the baseball field is currently located after the lease expires. Do you think the Royals eventually leaving Truman Sports Complex helps the Chiefs in eventually getting a dome Super Bowl Final Four, or do you think it hurts? Oh, I'm, there's no way it can hurt. Uh, this is, I, I am in full support of the Chiefs having a, 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 a what they call those domes. Dome. Um, not, retractable roof. Retractable roof. Hell yeah. Kind of like, been that for years. Yes. Kind of like I, the ramps. I think that's the way of the future, honestly. I, I think that you should not have a full-time dome or a wide-open stadium. You need to have options. Because you don't want weather to dictate a game a lot of times. And especially, let's be honest, Patrick with Patrick Mahomes, Mahomes throwing yeah. the ball, you don't want that to dictate any of Now, he can sling anything like he says. I mean, would you rather him play in a snow game or not? Exactly. I'd rather avoid snow. I'd rather avoid could. the snow. Yeah. So if you Just have a retractable yeah. roof, Injuries. anything, Injuries. Exactly. even more than L.A., you need to have retractable roofs in the Midwest because that's where you have all four seasons. Yeah. So I, well, I, I, And I, that helps our odds of hosting a Super Bowl. Exactly. Yeah. So to answer, that was my next point, is that the, this if you get a retractable roof in Kansas City, they are 100% hosting Super Bowls here. Yes. So And, and, and they're, they're already, they're already hosting too. the NFL draft yeah, ne- what next season. After next season, they're hosting the NFL draft as well. So there's yeah. there, there's already things in motion for the Chiefs. We're adding to the you airport. add to that. You add intrigue with, like I said, a Chiefsville outside of the stadium. 
It's a slam dunk, man. You gotta do it. So yeah. yes, it doesn't hurt us in any way. It only betters everything. It adds the experience. You're gonna get so many more people to come out because there's gonna be a lot of people that aren't gonna want to come to games that are frigid cold. You're gonna get a lot more endorsements, a lot more branding and sponsorship opportunities. Yeah. It's endless, man. It's uh, endless. I still think a retractable roof is gonna make it cold. It's not gonna warm it up or anything. No, well, but it takes away from the. It can the, insulate the, the stadium. The, yeah, it's, you can insulate stadiums like LA. I'm sure they have like air conditioning for like hot games in September. Is what I'm saying. So. Like, if there's 100 degrees out there, you put a, a dome over to take away that direct sunlight. It's the same thing with snow or rain in Kansas City. If it's 30 degrees outside, you guys know we all grew up here practically. I know, Eddie, you moved here several years ago. You you go outside and it's 30 degrees and no rain or no snow, it feels a lot better than when it's raining or snowing outside, right? Because you're not getting soaked. That's what I'm saying. You get that retractable roof out there, it gives you the option. It might still be a little cold outside, but you're not dealing with getting rain, rained on, snowed on, all that shit. You can focus on the game, and it adds to the quality of the game because we saw Peyton Manning and Drew Brees and guys like that play domes for the majority of their careers dominate. Mm. Dominate. I'm all for it, man. Yeah, I'm all for it, too. And I think with, with change with change comes growth. And I think this this that's what the city needs. I think what the city needs a little. And look, man, Patrick Mahomes has kind of forced the hand of the city. You know, we have an absolute superstar in my mind, the best player in football in our city. We've seen Peyton, the Peyton Mannings and guys like that and uh, uh, change cities, have streets named after them, have restaurants named after them. I mean, shit, Big Ben had a restaurant and a burger named after him, all these things. Like, you know, that, 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 kind, that stuff like that, having that star power in your city will change things. And he is barely even getting to his, you know, best years. You know, so, and we, who knows how many trips the Super Bowl will have, if, you know, barring health and barring the success of this team. You know, we gotta we gotta move with how he moves, and he's you know a big part of the city making some new fresh changes. And like I said, I believe the big wigs of the city want to make this a major city, at least up there. You know, I mean, if um, you know if Cleveland and these other Cincinnati, those other cities can like host big events like the you know the draft, and um, you know, I, I fully believe we want to host a Super Bowl. Obviously, that's been that's been mentioned before. So retractable roof makes sense. Um, yeah, I just I just think that this city wants to grow and take the next step, and you know you're going to stay stagnant if you stay the same and you're you're you rest in your comfortabilities. I I've, I've I, you know me I've been pushing for like the Chiefs to like rebrand and like change the jerseys up and change some logos up and just I love stuff like that. I love like fresh new takes on certain things. Um, so yeah, I think the stadium change would be a, a cool idea. The retractable roof I've been wanting for years. Um, if we can avoid Pat having to play home games in the snow. Um, and avoid certainly like granted snow games are fun. Don't get me wrong. It's a great part of football, but if we want to host a, fo- uh, a Super Bowl here, having a, a, a retractable roof that possibly seals off the entire top of the stadium and we can heat the stadium that that's a, that's a huge investment, obviously, but a, a great idea. And if we want to host a Super Bowl, that's kind of a must. Chiefs fans are going to fucking go crazy when they hear that the Chiefs are making a new stadium. Fucking, they're probably going to riot the streets. If you listen to what Clark Hunt said, Clark yeah. Hunt talked about the renovations. Mm-hmm. And a, a, a retractable roof is considered a renovation. Yeah. I don't think they're going to actually change stadiums. It, just my personal yeah, yeah, right yeah. now. They I think they're just going to gonna modify Arrowhead Stadium. Because he knows how much that stadium meant to his father. I think there's a certain magnitude of maintaining it. No, I get it. It's kind of like uh, we're talking about stadium stuff. But like Yankee Stadium. They had to eventually move out from there. Mm-hmm. They they can't Shit, keep that's iconic as hell. They, exactly, yeah. they can't keep renovating something that's old because it's just going to still deteriorate as time goes on. You, you say that, so but like, they, but the state, stadiums that are way older than the Chiefs, like Soldier Field, Lambeau Field, uh, Wrigley Field, uh, 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 Boston Fenway Park, mm-hmm. 
Like all they you, they renovate them constantly. Now they may not have as much traffic necessarily yeah. or wear and tear, but when they're they've been around for 50, 60 years longer. Honestly, they probably have more baseball stadiums. Yeah, there's, it, there's it, so it, many more games. home regular season yeah. games, things like that. So there are ways to do it. I'm with you on that, Eddie. That's why I think the Royals ultimately are moving out because again, there's there's it's there's an a, outdated stadium. There's it's an experience old. though to having a downtown stadium. With baseball, there's a classic vibe to it. And, and it's I, something that they and, should and I, be. Yeah, and I think what what makes the Royal Stadium the Royal Stadium is the fucking the big screen. So I think that's going to be something that's going to move to the na- yeah, fountains. and the fountains. Yes. That's going to be something that's going to be put in the fucking yes. stadium. And, and honestly, it has to be. like that's their trademark. That's They'll probably just move them right over. And if we're being honest, moving a stadium, a base, a baseball stadium, or just any kind of sports event downtown is just a, a good investment financially. Yeah, because for, to any tourists that come into town or staying in hotels downtown or doing business downtown, yeah. like, hey, let's go to a baseball game. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. it's right there. Right. That's a great dragnet for more people, tourists, whatever. Not that we get a shit ton of tourists in Kansas City, but there is a lot of business that goes on here. A lot of but downtown it opens business. up for business. Like, right. we got the world. Uh, so there's the World Cup in 2026, and Kansas City is a finalist city. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do believe we find out in December if Kansas City is uh, a host yeah. city. How yeah. badass so. is that? Think about that, Eddie. We have like this one long line of pro teams, almost linear. You have Arrowhead Stadium, Royals, Future Royal Stadium, and then Sporting, Sporting. on the Kansas side, yeah. and it's all one. And then long... NASCAR. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're like this one long line but of see, pro teams. I know I Sporting's not even nearly on the level of, of the Royal Stadium, what a Royal Stadium would be, yeah. but like Sporting games work just fine, man. Yeah. Right yeah. down there at the Legends, like it's never too much. You, you, can't, buy, you can't buy season tickets right now. Still, yeah, it's great. I think it's a year. It's a great experience, man. Going down there to go to a Sporting yeah. game, it's so. Fun. The thing about uh, the thing I kind of think they kind of messed up on a little bit. I mean, you think uh, you can yeah, still yeah, do it. Yeah. You you still can do it, but it's extending Sporting part, uh, Sporting uh, Children's Mercy part. Yeah. Uh, Right now, I think it seats about 20,000 20, people. Expanding it, they kind of like put themselves in a situation where they can only expand on, was it, on the west side? I think it's mm. the one facing, not the not Nebraska, but this this other side, facing the Applebee's that's right next to it. That would be I, the north side. North side. Well, the north side. That would be the only side that they can literally put a second uh, second thing. Uh, fucking, because they have that extra uh, walk-up. Yeah, yeah, because they have the extra walk-up where you can actually build on that. They can probably only add like 5,000. Yeah, but if you look side. at the other side, it's kind of, they're kind of screwed because you have a main road that goes behind it's it. Yeah, yeah, and then you have another one right in front of it that goes to Nebraska and to Legends. Yeah. So you can't can't you can't extend that way. You can't extend that way. You can you can only extend on this way. So once soccer, I, trust me, after the World Cup here in the U.S., MLS is gonna fucking blow up. MLS is continuing to grow too. Yeah, so, it's so more than ever. So we'll see what happens there. And then we have one more question from Shaggy Shane. Um, you must answer yes or no. Oh, here we go. No. <laughs> <laughs> the Chiefs give Tyreek Hill a massive fat five-year contract extension next March, but have to say goodbye to Tyron Matthew, Orlando Brown. Austin Blythe, Blake Bell, Melvin Ingram, Frank Clark, and Miko Hartman. Would you be happy about that? Yes or no? Yes. Let me tell you why. <laughs> I was going to say, you're going to elaborate. Except, yeah. No, I'm, I'm going to say yes. I don't think that's a realistic I'm going to say yes, but I have to add context to it because it's not just that simple. Because yeah. first of all, you're not going to have to say goodbye to Orlando Brown Jr. in particular. Because you can franchise tag him for the next two years. And that's what the Chiefs are going to do. And he'll be 27 after his second franchise tag. And that's when the Chiefs either extend him or realize he's not really worth it. But you got three years out of a guy you took, you drafted a first or you traded a first round pick for. You win on that no matter what. Okay. 
That's first of all. Second of all, every single guy you just named on that and that list, Melvin Ingram even included, even at his advanced age, who's still a very effective player, not a single guy on that list that you named is more valuable than Tyreek Hill to this team. Not a single one. And none of them are better at football than Tyreek Hill. And only what, two, two of them are younger than Tyreek Hill. McCole Hardman and Orlando Brown Jr. So give me the age, give me the skill set, give me the value every single time. Tyreek Hill is not just a wide receiver. I understand that when it comes to position value, you take a left tackle over a wide receiver 95% of the time. But in that 5% is a guy named Tyreek Hill. Okay? And he is one of the greatest receivers we have ever seen in this game. And he's going to continue to be that guy. Because now, see, here's the thing. Everyone just assumes when we think of Tyreek Hill, what's the first thing you hear? You think. Fast as fuck, right? Unbelievably fast. He's got everything. But he's a complete receiver. He has an unbelievable route tree, footwork, handwork, everything. Unbelievable. And he's sustainable. And he's undersized, and his ability to get up and get up, jump up and get balls is still what? He's missed, what, five games in the last five seasons to injury? Oh, he's durable as hell. He's durable as hell. So, look, I don't want to see Tyron Matthew leave. I don't want to see Orlando Brown Jr. leave. But if I had to choose between those three, we've already had this conversation, and I'll say it again. I'm keeping Tyreek Hill because also something we did, I didn't, haven't even mentioned yet is the fact that him and Patrick Mahomes are literally perfect together. They are the perfect marriage of quarterback wide receiver. They are literally Patrick, or they are literally Tom Brady and Randy Moss. And he's perfect for Andy Reid's offense. Perfect match. Yeah. They are li- they are literally Peyton Manning and Marvin Harrison. If not better. They are literally Steve Young and Jerry Rice. I'm just saying, like, what the, how perfect those yeah. matchups were. They are those. They are those. We're going to look back, guys, in 15, 20 years and look at the best duos and combos, and that's going to be one of them along with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey because they're going to have records. They're going to have numbers. They're going to have Super Bowls. Tyreek Hill is one of the most important players in the history of the Chiefs. He's one of the most productive players in the history of football. No one in the last six seasons has had more touchdowns than Tyreek Hill. He's the deadliest weapon, offensive weapon in Chiefs history. He just, yes. We've had some of the best running backs. Jamal in Charles could have been. Yeah. Priest but was even, for two years. Even, but even if Jamal Charles didn't get hurt, yes. I still think Tyreek's more deadly. Yes. Priest, of, the Priest Holmes is up there, but yes. You're but right. I mean, but Priest Holmes was the one-dimensional player for the most part. Yeah. yeah. He was a good it, was a shorter, it was a shorter span. It was yes. a shorter span. But what Tyreek Hill does and the way he impacts defenses is just unmatched. It's unprecedented. He's the most feared. He's one of the most feared offensive weapons, not even just receiver. The way he's utilized, and he's perfect for Andy Reid's offense. Outside of Derrick Henry, outside of Derrick Henry, there's not been a more deadlier non-quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, 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 Adams. yeah, yeah. I mean, no, DeAndre Hopkins. Not no. Nah. DeAndre, DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins might be a better he's overall receiver just from a natural ability to get open and things of that nature. He's bitter. a better, he's a better prototypical wide receiver yes. one, but as who's an offensive been, weapon, but who's been more productive? Yeah, it's Tyreek Hill. Yeah, it's Tyreek Hill, and I'm not talking about one year. I'm talking about a five to six year stretch. Yeah. He's been the most productive weapon in the NFL. And for being honest, we've seen we've seen Tyreek Hill dominate the league with two different quarterbacks. We've never seen Devontae Adams go off with another quarterback outside of Aaron Rodgers. We and have, we've never seen here's him. the other part of that to the Devontae Adams argument. Yeah. It took Devontae Adams like three seasons to finally become a really good receiver. Yeah. Tyreek came in as a, a, special, a, a special teams guy, and gadget he saw, guy. He scored 10 touchdowns in his first season. This is why I've never swayed from like, even <laughs> when we have, remember we were having those debates about who's who, who would you rather Chiefs, Chiefs keep, Chris Jones? Remember a couple years ago, a couple seasons ago, Chris Jones or Tyreek Hill? I never once swayed on him, man. It was always Tyreek Hill for me. I always wanted that guy. He's just the, the, Him and Pat, Patrick Havers is so special. I want to keep Tyreek Hill here as long as possible until that guy is you know, grayed up, 
everything. I don't care. I want him to retire a chief. I love the guy so much. The shit that he's, he's been through personally and the way the chief stuck by him, knowing that we, you know, he would end up on the right side of it, everything. And then what he's given us on the field and what him and Patrick have, it's just special. You just don't break up something special like that. Look, just, we'll figure everything else out. Just, just hear this real quick. I, I, Cause I love this question from Shaggy and I just want to, yeah. then we're going to move on to the chiefs Cowboys. His first season, he had 85 touches for 860 yards from scrimmage and nine touchdowns. I'm sorry, I was one off. Right. Second season, these are with Alex Smith again. He was yeah. back then just considered a return specialist. His second season, he has 92 touches for 1,242 yards, seven touchdowns. Third season, 109 touches for 1,630 yards, 13 touchdowns. Third, fourth season, he is injured. Remember, he missed five games. Mm-hmm. 66 touches still with 883 yards, seven touchdowns. Last season, 2020, 100 touches for 1,399 yards, 17 touchdowns. He's on pace to have a best, his best and, year this year. And this season, he's <laughs> yeah. on pace for 128 receptions for almost 1,500 yards, and he's got eight touchdowns already. So I'm this you, is a monster. The most touchdowns Look, of any NFL player. And this isn't meant to disrespect Tyron Matthews. This isn't meant to disrespect Orlando Brown Jr. Because both those guys are pivotal characters to this team's success. The impact is not nearly close. But, but the impact's not close. You keep Tyreek Hill, and I and I wouldn't even think about it twice. Yeah. Yep. We'll keep a lot of those I guys. I Eddie's opinion on this. Because he, he's been <laughs> a little quiet on this. I think he disagrees. Eddie, who, who would you take on that list? Well, I guess it's not a list. It's, well, he said he chose choose between. It's a yes or no yeah, question. Yes or no. I, mean, I know, but I'm saying he chose to take take Tyreek Hill. Kill. Over if these. it took letting all those guys go, which yeah. one would you prefer? Would you prefer keep taking Tyreek Hill or those guys? I I, I think uh, I think I'm taking the guy that protects Patrick Mahomes' blind side. Uh, yeah, Tyreek Hill's great. Tyreek Hill is something we've never seen before uh, in in Chiefs history, and obviously he's a very very talented player. But I think. <clears throat> I think helping protect your five hundred million dollar quarterback is far more important than than the weapon uh, that Tyreek Hill is. Uh, Tyreek Hill's uh, what 29? 20, 28. 28. Nine, 28 yeah, he's twenty seven. So yeah. you're talking a five year deal. He's going to his mid thirties. Uh, well, no, low early thirties. Uh, how, how, yeah, how, how, how much? How much of his? How much of his? Uh, prime of his career do we have left do we have this season next season four years to come or is it going to start start declining after what next season or and, and we have orlando brown who could potentially start just hasn't hit his prime yet but could eventually hit his prime and be that player that patrick Mahomes needs on his blind side and kind of make patrick Mahomes even that much of a greater he could be here next year without having to worry about tyreek getting signed or no I, I get it but yeah. the question didn't say franchise tag it said yeah. keep tyreek hill and let those yeah, other but that's it's set up kind of in a way where that's not really the choice, though. That's not the only option. No, no, no. I get, no, I get it. Yeah. But that, that's the question was. That's would why you I keep, said yes. Yeah. yeah. Would you keep Ty, Tyreek Hill and let all those guys go? The only okay. What I will say to that, what I will say to that is this: as much as I love the Orlando Brown trade to this day, and I think he's progressively getting better and probably will end up becoming an elite t- left tackle in this league, and which I'm so excited that I think he's going to be your long term. Mm-hmm is the fact that, again, I have to reemphasize the fact that there is such a uniqueness to Tyreek Hill's skill set, availability, and the relationship and camaraderie chemistry that he has with Patrick Mahomes that I'm willing to take the risk of Mm. replacing Orlando Brown Jr. over replacing Tyreek Hill Mm. because of the magnitude of the importance that Tyreek Hill has to this offense. You've seen this offense without Tyreek Hill, and it isn't nearly as great as it is 
with him on the field. We've seen this offense without Orlando Brown Jr., and it was still historic. Because even with Eric Fisher being an average to a good, really good left tackle, this offense was leading the league in scoring. And if the Chiefs were able to just get an adequate left tackle to replace Orlando Brown Jr. in this given scenario, the Chiefs offense is going to be just fine. But if you replace Tyreek Hill with just an adequate wide receiver, this offense is completely different. Right. It's completely different because you don't have the guy that can take the top of the defense on a given basis. That's why they drafted McClellan because they thought he would be that guy. But that's, this is proving just how difficult it is to find a Tyreek Hill. It's proving how difficult it is. You don't just find these guys. That's why every single speedster that comes out of the draft, who they compare him to? Yep. Tyreek Hill because of how That's unique exactly he is. That's exactly who Henry Ruggs was supposed to be. The next Tyreek Hill. John Ross is the next Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Uh, Tavon, uh, Tyreek Hill is supposed to be the next Tavon Austin. Oh, no. He surpassed that. Now he's the new standard. This is what I'm trying to tell you, man, is you can't let he's guys like that walk. You can't trade guys like that because you'll never get return value equal to what he is. He's one of a kind. You don't trade away. You don't let a one of a kind guy walk like that. Just, That's why they got to pay him whatever it takes to keep him. I understand that he'll be in his 30s if and when that contract goes through. When it's done with, mm-hmm. but I'm taking the risk of having an aging Tyreek Hill over not having prime Tyreek Hill. Well, I mm-hmm. think we need to understand the the athletic anomaly that he kind of is. Like we, the only prototypical guy that's been similar to him is in Antonio Brown. We have, I mean, undersized but strong as hell, leaping ability, ball tracking ability. He ha- he is the full package outside of height. He is the full package as you needed up wide of a wide receiver one, and he's he's produced better than any other offensive weapon since 2016. No one's been better. Not Derrick Henry, not Devontae Adams, not DeAndre Hopkins. No other receiver or offensive weapon, not Christian McCaffrey, has pro- produced offensive output better than Tyreek Hill. I'm not letting that go away, man. I'm just not. I'm milking that cow for whatever it's got. I want to hear as long as possible. Is that it for the mailbag? Yeah, that's it. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for the Monday mailbag. I don't believe, let me check real quick, but I don't think we had heard from our guy Stan Simmons this week, if I'm not mistaken. <gasps> nope! Our guy Stan Simmons gave us a question. Here we go, oh, baby. Yeah. Let's hear from our guy Stan Simmons from Fresno, Cali. <laughs> What's up, guys? I hope everything is going well. Anyway, I know there's a huge game with Dallas this Sunday. It seems like our Chiefs are always in a big game and on the tip of everyone's tongues. My question is, if, and this is a big if, the Chiefs somehow made it to the AFC Championship game and the Super Bowl. Which AFC team and NFC team would you most like to see the Chiefs grab a measure of revenge against? Mm. I would love to see the Chiefs smash the Ravens in the AFC Championship game. They were dancing up and down like they won the Super Bowl week two. And I would love to see them finally erase the bad taste of that Super Bowl from last season. So I would love to see them go against Tampa Bay if they made it to the Super Bowl. So mine's are the Ravens and the Buccaneers. What about you guys? God damn, Stan always it. has these. Great question. Oh, I just dropped my damn camera. <laughs> well, so excited. better than me as we... Uh, so excited. Yes, yeah, so all of me. You know, I usually don't do that unless it's on my OnlyFans. Um, look, I, that's a great question from Stan. The reason why I think it's a great question is because of the fact that Stan is uh, proposing that the Chiefs have that opportunity. Like, I think they do. I think they're now are – we, are we good? Is the camera good? Okay, sweet. So I, I think that uh, – this, this is the uncut version of the Spoken Podcast. You guys are getting the, the vulnerable uh, version of us. Patreon only. Great. Stan asking such great questions, and I'm knocking my camera over. I'm so excited to answer this question. This, this is uh, 
Oh, man, we're really at that point of the season where we can ask these types of questions. I don't Look, want to think about this stuff. The yet, Chiefs man, set yeah. themselves up for a revenge tour. Yes. Because they lost to the Ravens. They lost to the Bills. They lost to the Chargers. They lost to the Titans. All these teams currently own the tiebreaker on the Chiefs. So you can make the case for any of these teams to be the teams that you get that sweet revenge on. I'm going to disagree with Stan. Because I initially picked the Chiefs and Ravens to be the AFC Championship game. But I don't think there would be anything sweeter than to see the Chiefs face the Bills again. The Bills now got their confidence and beat the brakes off you in home. I was at that game. I was literally 50 feet from the field. And I watched the Chiefs get their asses handed to them in their house 38-20. to 20. That game was, wasn't even that close. And they lost by 18. To see the Chiefs get, get, get to go and do what they did last AFC Championship again against the Bills again would be the sweetest revenge. I know losing in Baltimore sucked because they should not have lost that game. That was an absolute robberation. They just absolutely blew that game. And lose and beating the Baltimore Ravens, which would probably have to be in Baltimore, would be even would be very sweet. Mm-hmm. But to know that you get to go and get revenge on a team in their house that embarrassed you in your house, to me, would be the ultimate climax. Honestly, it really would. To get back to the Super Bowl again. And as much as I want to agree about the whole Tom Brady thing, because from a legacy standpoint, that would that would elevate Patrick Holmes so much to go and beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl because of the fact that Tom's now beaten him technically in the Super Bowl, even though Tom did jack shit in that game. I honestly would like to see the Chiefs face the Niners, and here's why. I know the Chiefs already beat them. Think about this. They ain't going there, bro. I ain't even going to no, no, make no, I, the I know, I know, I know, I know. But he said make the <laughs> choice. Make the choice. The re- I'm talking about storylines. Think about it, guys. No, the, the 49ers do have a chance to get to the, the playoffs again. They do. They do. They're yeah, fighting. Yeah, they're, they're, they're we're, we're talking Super Bowl, though. I'm just saying Super Bowl, just from a storyline like perspective. Storyline perspective. Hear me out. Hear me out. They're better matchups. Obviously, yes. But what is the thing that every the, 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 the negators, the Patrick Mahomes nurse keep saying about that game? Oh. That if Jimmy Garoppolo would have hit Emmanuel Sanders, they would have won that game. But he didn't. Well, think about it. If Jimmy G, because right now he's still the current starting quarterback of that team, they were to face off again. And the Chiefs beat the brakes off the 49ers. That takes away any little speculation of what would have happened in that game had this happened or that happened. The Chiefs go out there and beat them 38 to 17. No one's ever talking about that first one again. They said, oh, they beat the shit out of them the second time. They already beat them the first time. There's no more debating it. But you, you have to act like we didn't come back in that game. That's like what I'm we saying. Were, well, yeah, we yeah I could break that all down again. The yeah, fact like the Chiefs scored on four straight possessions. Right. They scored on the next possession anyway. So even out. if Jimmy would have scored that touchdown, the Chiefs still win the game because Damian Williams ran, for, ran the ball on the end Still win the game. Yeah. And there was a minute 30 left with, what, two timeouts left. Patrick Mahomes was absolutely going to score on that no matter what. The point is, there is still that narrative. And I love when narratives get put to bed. And I would love to see the Chiefs put that one to bed because people are still it's using it. It's the Super Bowl. It's two of the, the two best teams that have made it to the the big dance. Of course, there's going to be what ifs in that game. What about this it's, one? This what about works, this one? Man. I'm not trying to steal thunder here. <laughs> what about this this play? The fact that the Chiefs play the Rams in the Super Bowl, and they are the first team to ever have to face back-to-back home teams in the mm-hmm. Super Bowl. And they go and win that one. You talk about the ultimate resilience of the narrative of, oh, you lost to the Super Bowl, teams crumble after that. No, we got back to the Super Bowl for the third straight time. We're the first team since the 95 Bills to do it. And they go and face back-to-back home teams, and this time they get the redemption? Oh, Jesus Christ, that would be amazing, man. So there's a lot of storylines there, and I love that Stan brought this up, but I can't wait to hear your guys' because I, yeah, I, I, I want yours out of I really haven't thought about it, man, yet. I'm, I'm just so I'm just so focused on beating the Cowboys right now. And like this is, a, this is like a playoff game right here, so yeah. Bullshit. Uh, <laughs> like this is such a big, uh, big game right now. Boo so. shit, boo shit, boo shit. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think I am. I think I, I am with Stan on this. I think I would like to see us beat the Ravens in the AFC Championship game. I would love to see that. It was it left a bad taste because we can talk about what ifs. If we don't fumble on that game, there is no revenge game right now because we kick a field goal and that game's over. We win. So um, I'm, I'm, you know, I yeah, I think I think beating Lamar because they want a rivalry so bad. There hasn't really been a rival. I mean, we've we've. We've beat the brakes off the Bills before, uh, and they finally beat us pretty bad this year. But I don't feel like there's a real rivalry at all, right there. You know, we we've been known as the kryptonite for the for the Ravens, and then they they conquered that, and then they beat us. You know, uh, and, and they they're celebrating like they won the Super Bowl. So I feel like that was a little different. That Bills game was kind of out of control from the jump. We kind of after the first quarter, I think we're like, we yeah, did. we're fucked. Yeah, yeah. this game's over. <laughs> so and um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like it'd be it I it feel more like there'd be more of a Something to it, more juice to it for me if we beat the Ravens in the AFC Championship than if we did if we beat the Bills. Granted, obviously the Bills in my mind are the better team, um, but I think matchup-wise, storyline-wise, I think the Ravens would be more of a juicy one. As far as the Super Bowl goes, I would love to see an Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, finally meet up in the time they finally meet He'll up catch in COVID. the Super Bowl. <laughs> no, but I mean, how cool would that be, though? Like, the, both times we've, we failed to have this matchup actually take place, whether Pat's out or Aaron Rodgers is out. The time they finally meet up and face off is in the Super Bowl. That's kind of a cool storyline, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the, they finally face off and it's the biggest game of them all. You know who takes home the cookies? And it's just that would be such a cool storyline. But um, I'm all for a revenge tour. I would love. I mean, granted, I do not want to see Tom Brady in another Super Bowl. I'm kind of tired and over that. But if that happens, I'd be definitely on board with seeing that because I think if this happened again. This is this this team is well more prepared for that defensive front this time around than the, than we were at that time. It would be an entirely different outcome this time around. I fully believe that. I think our defense would perform far better the way Tom Brady's been playing lately, especially. Um, I think we would take that game from from Tom from Tom Brady. But I I want to see Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes in the role. That would mm. be the one I would want to see. Ooh, AFC. AFC. I want to see the Titans in the AFC Championship. Why? Yeah. Because they fucking smacked us around like it was and- shit. They, they fucking put Patrick Mahomes in zero points. No, three points. No, what's it, zero? Three points. Three points yeah, three for the points. first time in his NFL career. Yeah, never scored a touchdown. They fucking embarrassed the Chiefs out there. They, I mean, outside the, the Super Bowl, we, yeah. Uh, yeah, outside the fucking, yeah. That, that shit was embarrassing. That was rough. That was probably the worst the worst game the Chiefs played this this season. And oddly enough, we held Derrick Henry to his, to worst, 60, his, his worst game. Yeah, to 60. Of the year, and they yeah, which is crazy. 24-3, like. So it's a weird game. Man. I think that would be sweet revenge because uh, the Titans were, you know, they celebrate like, you know, like you know, yep. they obviously they beat the big dogs. So the Chiefs coming back and you know showing them like, hey, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, we're we're we're, we're yeah, the we, Chiefs. We've lost all the other good AFC teams this year, yeah. so their storylines abound, man. We can so, pick just pick one. <laughs> I think I think I think uh, the Chiefs going there beating the fucking Titans and kind of proving you know not just beating like destroying the Titans, kind of like holy shit, you know, like that was just a fluke game. Yeah, it, it's not gonna happen again. So I think that would be a a good storyline for the Chiefs. Uh, for as for the Super Bowl, man, I I would love the Rams in the Super Bowl. Just because it's in LA, I, I would love to see. Yeah. I would love to see Matthew Stafford finally get to that Super Bowl, get a chance to 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 win that Super Bowl, and at home, that storyline is gonna be amazing because everybody's gonna be talking about that 2018. Uh, was it 2018 uh, Monday night Monday night football game? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's gonna be talking about that Monday night football game. 
There'll be so many. So the story, the storyline to that Super Bowl, the Super Bowl that was supposed to happen on the 2018 uh, season, finally, finally happening in LA mm -hmm. in 2022. It's that would fuck. That would be insane. Yeah, and, and and I have to say, guys, it's 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 so awesome that we're actually now talking about this because there is a legitimized opportunity. <laughs> I'm just saying, like. If we, if we if we can say that there is a legitimate chance that the Chiefs are either already back or are going to be back after this week, that's this, why. I, that's these, why these I don't scenarios have this are not the same, man. After this week, look how wide open the AFC is. Yeah. You, know, that, that you have to you have to really consider the Chiefs as one of the favorites out of the AFC at this current time. Without a doubt, even when so, we we're struggling, we're struggling, right? So so now we're segueing to the segment that we've all been waiting for here. It's the Chiefs versus Cowboys this week. The next step for the Chiefs to get to that hopeful. Next Super Bowl run, the oh. third straight Super Bowl run. We have a couple comments yeah, from, go ahead, go from, ahead. from RJ on YouTube. He's like, I'm loving the idea of being road, road warriors in the playoffs. Yeah. And then Titans are going to get past the first game of the playoffs. <laughs> hey, hey, no, this would be interesting because Patrick Mahomes has played eight playoff games. And outside of the neutral stadiums at, at the, in the Super Bowls, he's never faced a, never played a road game. Yeah. Think about yeah. that. We've had Arrowhead games throughout, home field advantage throughout, and then the Super, the Super Bowls. Bowl. So then it would really, I think, honestly, it would add to his his legacy. I think if he yeah, there wins road yeah, games exactly. in the playoffs. I think him going in the road on the playoffs. I that think we showed last weekend that we we're pretty good on the road. Well, I'm yes. saying, hey, Tom Brady's got a losing record on the road in the playoffs, guys. I'm just letting you know. So oh, that would be there's there's something to that. You know, if Patrick Mahomes goes in there and wins a couple, goes two and zero on the road. I'm not big on quarterback quarterback wins, but people care about that shit. And if they adds to that legacy, he gets to the Super Bowl not having a maybe having one home game because of winning the division, yeah. and then has to go on the road two more games and go get to the Super Bowl. I just think the, 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 the Packers thing, the Aaron Rodgers thing, would just be such a cool story because say that's the only time they ever met up was in a Super Bowl, and they had two chances to meet up in regular season it's twice, and they happen. never did. It's but I mean, happen. if it does happen and it happens in the Super Bowl, and Pat wins, yeah. and beats Aaron Rodgers in the Super Bowl. It almost feels like the, the football that gods. Be, if that doesn't happen, let's say the Chiefs and Packers don't face in the Super Bowl this year, it almost feels like the football gods are going to have to force the hand of okay. Aaron is going to the Broncos. Yeah. Aaron is going to the Raiders or something, man. Because, like, yeah. we've got to get these guys in the same fucking field eventually, man. Because it's yeah. got to happen. I mean, it just feels like we've been robbed of the greatest talent matchup in the history of quarterbacks. It just it hasn't happened this point. Sure, because if, if anything, depending on how this game goes against the Cowboys, because the Cowboys are a Super Bowl favorite at this point now, too. If they beat us or if we beat them, that would be a great re yeah. you know, rematch, too, in the Super Bowl if that happens as well. So we're, we're now looking at a matchup that's uh, – before the season, I felt like this was going to be a game the Chiefs could absolutely just just run all over the Cowboys because I didn't buy into the Cowboys coming into the season. I didn't think their defense was going to be legitimate. I didn't think that – although Dak Prescott's been unbelievable. I still we were, we were hearing that Dak was not even healthy to go yeah. from the start of the season. We were really questioning how much Dak we were going to see. And since then, Dak has been a top-five quarterback in the league. He's, he's great. He's an elite quarterback. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, Dak is le legitimately one better. of the best quarterbacks in the league. Yeah. He, last season, he was on a trajectory of throwing over 5,500 yards and like 43 touchdowns. This season, not that far off. He's been unbelievable. The number one scoring offense in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to give the Cowboys a ton of credit for what they've done. And I think that they are a, I, I want to say it with, without being hyperbolic here, the the worthiest opponent the Chiefs have faced to this point. For sure. Mm -hmm. As great as the Bills are at times, we've seen them have horrible losses this season. I've seen the Cowboys and then I was going to say yeah. that as well because this Football's is something weird this year. I want to put yeah. it into context. As great as the I believe the Cowboys can be, yeah. we have seen the, the, the cracks in their armor. We have seen their weaknesses. And a lot of times I think this starts to show as the season goes on that teams will be automatically pencil in. Oh, they're Super Bowl contenders. They're a great team. Let's go ahead and them right now in the NFC or AFC championships. I think that we have seen 
some cracks in the armor of the Dallas Cowboys going into this game. In particular, the biggest storyline of this entire week so far is now that Amari Cooper has come down with COVID-19 and he will not play this game and will not play on the Thanksgiving game coming up this Thursday, this next Thursday as well. So the Cowboys are going to really be hurting here. I know we talked about this yesterday. Guys, this is like literally the, this is like the Minnesota Vikings losing out of field. Like as great as Justin Jefferson, as great as CeeDee Lamb is, they have to have that complimentary piece on the other side of things. Guys, Amari Cooper only has three fewer uh, receptions and one fewer touchdown than C.D. Lamb this season, despite having eight fewer targets. This is a very important piece to their offense. Oh, yeah. Especially that's when their, you consider the fact... To go wide receiver one. Yeah, especially when you consider the fact that Zeke Elliott hasn't been the guy that we once knew him to be back in 16 and 2017. He's not that guy anymore. He is averaging 4.8 yards a carry, but his numbers and his touches have gone down dramatically. Pollard's also got to worry about, though. Pollard's a very good scat back. A very good scat back. Yes. He's a guy. This offense is very talented. That's the kind of the guys we struggle against. The issue for the Cowboys, guys, is again, they have struggled against the AFC opponents this year. They did beat the Patriots, but they got walled against the AFC West opponent in the Broncos just two weeks ago. Yeah. And they took it out on the Falcons the very next week. But I think that game yeah, against the Falcons. That the Falcons suck. Yes, I think that I think that game <laughs> is the result of that game of the, the Cowboys won by 40 points. Yeah. I think the game had more to do with the Falcons than the Cowboys. Falcons Although I've been the Cowboys Falcons credit for what they fucking, did. Yeah. They're a terrible team. They, they scored three against the Cowboys and then scored zero against the Patriots yeah. in a primetime game at home. Damn. So that, that, that tells bad. you what, where, they, where the Falcons are. This is why I'm very confident about this game. Not just because Amari Cooper's out. Not just because Randy Gregory's out. Not just because Demarcus Lawrence is out. Not because Tyron Smith, at best, is going to be hobbled in this game. It's the fact that the Chiefs, just like they caught the Raiders, I believe they're catching the Cowboys at the perfect time. Why do I say that? Because I think that the Cowboys are a team that are not used to success, as crazy as that sounds. They're, they're what, second in all-time in, in Super Bowl victories. So you would think this is the type of franchise that would be ready for a game like this. I'm going to say something. I think this game is going to be too big for the Cowboys. You know why? Because in, in the last three seasons of Dak Prescott's career, none of these games like this have ever happened. They have not had games this important. And people are saying, oh, well, this is an important game to the Cowboys. No, it absolutely is. Why? They're fighting for the one seed right now. And we know outside, the one outside seed... Outside of week one, this is the biggest game. Yes, the one mm-hmm. seed is the most prestigious one seed, you can, or the biggest seed you can get now because of the fact you don't have multiple bye weeks for teams. and The, the two seed doesn't get you a bye week. Yeah. So you have to get that one seed. And the Cowboys don't want to be a team that's traveling on the road. They've struggled on the road this season. They have not, they're, a, they're a 500 team on the road this season. They don't want to go on the road in the NFC that's stacked. You think they want to go to Tampa Bay? They want to go to L.A.? They want to go to Green Bay? Hell no. They all rhymed, by the way. That was pretty cool how that all worked out. But the fact is, this is just as important. That's why I said about the Packers game a couple weeks ago. About how, although Aaron Rodgers is out and this is an interconference game, these teams are still looking at this as a Super Bowl opportunity for them. And now that the, Pack- the Cowboys have to go on the road against a team that is now fully clicked and back in, I think this is a tough game for the Cowboys, and I think this might be a little too much for them because of the fact that not only have they banged up, but the Chiefs are healthy. The Chiefs have, what is it, uh, 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 who's on the injury report this week? I think I think it was only, if I'm not mistaken, it was yeah. a back, it, uh, yeah, Lucas Yang yeah, will yeah. be playing. And we saw Andrew Wiley already get reps this week. Mm-hmm. Like, if, it'd be one thing if Andrew Wiley, pass rusher. Yeah, if Andrew Wiley was starting his first game of the season this week against the Cowboys, they had Randy Gregory and yeah. Demarcus Lawrence. I think Gregory is playing, but I think, Lauren no, Randy Gregory's not playing. He's not playing? He's not playing. 
Randy Gregory is out. out their two best pass rushers. Demarcus Lawrence is out. Yeah, he's and Tyron out. Smith, their left tackle, is banged up. He's been banged up all season long. He's not, He was a limited participant in all practices this Even week. Even Melvin Ingram on that. Michael Parsons is the key to this he's game. He's the only the guy Cowboys. you got to worry about. But there's, now, there's something about that guy. No, okay, here's, here's the thing about Trayvon Diggs, because I know everyone's asking about this, because Trayvon Diggs is having an insane Eight interceptions, three pick sixes. Eight interceptions, three pick sixes in only ten weeks, it's right? Insane. Unbelievable. Are they two pick sixes? You know, what Tra- you know what Trayvon Diggs is? He's Marcus Peters. Marcus Peters is an absolute ball hawk. He will make a play that just totally changes the entire momentum of the game. But also like Marcus Peters, you know what Trayvon Diggs does? Oh, he gives up, gives up a lot of yards. Mm-hmm. In fact, he gives up the sixth most yards in the entire NFL. Right now he's given up over 470 receiving yards. That's a lot of yardage. You know who Trayvon Diggs is going against this week? The guy I said I'd take over, Tyron Matthew, Orlando Brown Jr., McCole Harden, Melvin Ingram, and Blake Bell. Tyreek Hill. He's different. Yeah, Guys, I'm telling you, this offense finally clicked. The Chiefs offense finally clicked. And they're going up against a defense that, although is opportunistic, they're fourth right now in takeaways. The Cowboys defense is very opportunistic. Mm -hmm. They can turn the ball away. Turn turn the ball over. But when they don't, especially banged up, against an offense that's finally found their mojo and their swagger back and they have their shoulders moving again, all of a sudden, you're going to see this defense give up points. You're going to see this defense look lost. They've been giving up points. I don't, I'm saying. The defense is a little overrated in my mind. But yeah. I'm saying, even in the Broncos game, there was context. The Broncos' offense wasn't scoring on them. It was a lot of turnovers. Mm-hmm. Well, they were running all over them, though. They were running all over They weren't scoring a ton of points offensively. They, they had a couple defensive scores as well. So, there's something to this that I think the Cowboys are coming in this game. Everyone's thinking, oh, they, they're the team. They're the Super Bowl favorite. Guys, they're two-and-a-half-point favorite or two-and-a-half-point dogs before Amari Cooper was out of the game. I think that Vegas knows something about this. I think they're baiting betters into this one of saying, hey, put some money on the Cowboys to cover. Put some money on the Cowboys. It's only a two-and-a-half-point spread. And the Chiefs go in there and win by 14. I honestly believe there's a better chance that the Chiefs blow out the Cowboys in this game than lose this game. I am dead serious about that. I think Dak Prescott's having an unreal season. I think their talent is immense on offense especially. And, again, their defense is very opportunistic. But this matchup... Call me a homer. Call me whatever you want to call me. I think this matchup favors the Chiefs in more ways than one. Because of the fact that we've also addressed during today's show that the Chiefs' defense has, has stifled the run game since the Derrick Henry game when they kept him under 100, when we all thought he was going to go for 296 like Jamal Lewis back in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Since then, the Chiefs have had one of the 10 best defenses in the league. And I don't think that's a fraud. I don't think that's a, flu- a fluke. I think they have fixed things. I think Melvin Ingram has fixed things. And I think they're going to make Dak Prescott really work for what he wants to get out there on this field. I think if Amari Cooper was playing in this game, I think it would be a very different one because of the fact that there's more of a diversity to their offense. They would be able to get those short, intermediate passes. They were going to have CeeDee Lamb in the slot. That's gone. That's completely out. Now you're relying on CeeDee Lamb to carry the bulk of what your offense is going to do. And although CeeDee Lamb's really good, Again, when you don't have the complimentary piece to get him open on one-on-ones and you know, get him uh, out there open against a, a Rashad Fenton, now he's got to have to go against Luxurious Sneak, who's been one of the best corners in football over the last five weeks. I'm telling you guys right now, I feel great about this one. I feel great about this matchup. And yes, it has a lot to do with that Raiders game. I know that the Cowboys are a much better team than the Raiders, but we know how this league goes. Once you get a big victory like that and you start seeing your, your tight end shaking his shoulders again, we have not heard words from Travis for about a month, about three or four weeks. To see him back like that, to see this team clicking the way that they do against a team that has lost several starters and are going into a home crowd like the Chiefs have in Arrowhead Stadium, I, 
I, guys, I'm telling you right now, do not be shocked. And I'm saying this to the camera too, everybody watching and listening to my voice. Do not be shocked that the Chiefs go in there and reestablish themselves as the best team in the NFL. And I'm saying that with sincerity. I think if they beat this team in the, again, in the Cowboys, the Chiefs should be the prohibitive favorites to get to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. Trevor, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, this is, I'm very, let me say this to start off. I think an undermentioned narrative that no one's really talking about is the coaching leader. Um, we're talking about Mike McCarthy going against Andy Reid. There's just a massive, massive difference there in coaching prowess. Um, and I'm taking Andy Reid every single time in that matchup. Uh, I think Andy Reid is going to – I think we're going to see some things. I think I think Andy Reid understands the importance of this game. Um, and I'm trusting Andy Reid to pull out some things from his sleeves more than I would Mike McCarthy, right? So um, that is a well-coached defense. I, don't, I just don't think they're as talented as they've been, you know, marketed as. Granted, they're America's team, you know. So um, I think they're, they only had one really – Big win this year. I think that big win was against the Patriots. Um, they put up 35 points to the Patriots, 29. That game had to go to overtime. But, I mean, that defense has been giving up points to some bad offenses. I mean, they allowed 20 points from the Giants, 28. I mean, the Panthers have been a kind of a so-so offense. They gave up 28, 21 from the Eagles. Uh, they did only allow 17 from the Chargers. That's a good offense. And the Buccaneers put up 31 in the victory. Um, you know, they only allowed 16 points to the Vikings, which was a really, really, really strange game. Um and then they allowed 30 points from Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, obviously, there were some defensive scores there. So, I mean, this defense has been kind of hit and miss. And they're without Gregory and Lawrence in this game. I think that's a huge – if they're not getting pressure on Patrick Mahomes and he's able to relax and make plays, good luck, man. Like, And, I, and our defense is clicking more than it has all year right now. You know, so I think they are catching us kind of at the worst time because we're riding high, even higher than they are. I know they just came off a big blowout win against a bad team. You know, after having an absolute shit show against the Broncos, so they've kind of been like a hit and miss kind of kind of team. Um, they, you know, they had to go to OT. Dak had to go to OT with Mac Jones just to outlast him. You know what I mean? So, if you have to go to OT to beat Mac Jones, granted, I know that's a good defense over there in New England, um, but our defense is clicking right now too. And if, if you're gonna, you know, if that defense is gonna bleed out points like that to to force OT against Mac Jones, what's gonna happen with Patrick Mahomes and Arrowhead, man? So I'm confident in this game too. I'm more neutral than I am confident. I definitely, there's a lot, I think there's on a bounce of probabilities, I think it, the greater chances of uh, the Chiefs winning is definitely on our side. I think we have that, I think we have that edge and that's why we are the favorite. Obviously we're at home as well. So it's it's rare you see a home dog, but I think we are the favorite just because of the Amari Cooper news. That's huge for them. That's a huge loss for them. Um, I think that's definitely going to factor in. I mean, that's one less elite talent that we got to worry about a very, very, very good route runner. And he's beat us. He's burned us in the past, even with the Raiders. Uh, and, you know, he's got a better quarterback thrown on the ball this time around. So he's not going to be there. He's absent. They're missing some major pieces defensively. I think this is a blow up spot for the chiefs though. I agree with you. I think, I don't think that's on the, like I said, on the bounce of probabilities, I think this is going to be a tight game throughout because this is two great offenses going at it and two, you know, middling defenses. Um, but I think I think this is a game, man, where the Chiefs can go put up nearly fifty to win this one. Mm-hmm. I think it could be a shootout, um, and there's a lot, there's a lot of momentum rolling in. We have more momentum rolling in this game than they do. Yeah, they had a get. Yeah, they had an absolute terrible game against the Broncos. They got absolutely embarrassed. Dak played terrible in that game, and then they went and blew out maybe one of the worst teams in football in Atlanta Falcons. Right now, I know their record. I think they have like four wins in the year. So what? Like they're one of the worst teams, and you know. Matt Ryan looks pretty washed this year, for all being honest. And they were without Calvin Ridley. You know, there's just a lot of things like – so, um, 
And they're de- depending on Coral Patterson to be the number one offensive weapon against Cowboys. Like and he they didn't were, play against the Patriots. Yeah, so I mean, they were gonna, <laughs> the Falcons have been bad. Um, so yeah, I think I think the Chiefs have have the momentum. We're at home. This is this is kind of a bad spot for the Cowboys. They're without Amari Cooper now. That's a blow. That's a blow to that locker room. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, imagine the Chiefs going into this game and not having Travis Kelsey or Tyreek Hill, one of the two. That's yeah. their that's their, their second biggest. I mean. They're, I mean, him and CeeDee Lamb are like both like kind of like the number one receiver. So they're losing one of their first options on offense. So I think what the Chiefs need to do, though, I, I, as I say, we, we, this is a blow-up spot. We could go blow them out or have a, a put up a big scoring total. I think the Chiefs need to run the hell out of the rock. I think we need to attack them the way we did the, the first match of last year against the Bills. Because the the the... the, the Dallas Cowboys defense is set up similar to how the Bills defense is set up. They're smaller undersized, compact linebackers. Obviously, Parsons is an absolute playmaker all over the field. They even use him on the edge sometimes as a DE sometimes. He's all over the place. He's incredible. Um, but they're an undersized defense, right? And they're not fast, yeah. Yeah, but they're so yeah, but I mean they're you say they're fast, but I mean we saw what the Bills did with, with their speedsters, guys trying to stop you know, our offense, and it just it, it, it didn't work. I mean, obviously it worked this time around, but we that was more us than it was the Bills. I don't care what anybody says. We beat ourselves in that game. We've been bad for a few weeks at a time. But this is a bad matchup for this this this, this Cowboys defense, man. Uh, I think it, I think we need to kind of take a page out of that play that 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 playbook that we had against the Bills um, that first meeting, and we just ran it and ran it and ran it. And Daryl's on a hot streak right now. Yeah. I think Daryl's ready to go. I think we can use some gore out there. Yeah. I think we can eat these because they're not good against the run. They're not. If we could dominate that clock, open up some, you know, some passing lanes in the play-action plays, I think that's how we beat them. I don't think we need to go put up 40-plus. I think we can beat these guys with 35 points and own the clock and you know force them. Because when, when the Cowboys aren't running and Zeke's not eating, that offense is kind of off-tempo. They need to have that balance too, similar to how the – the Raiders run their offense. They 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 thrive. Dak's great on that play action because his mobility as well. We got to worry about his mobility. So if we keep them trailing and we have a steady lead, we own that clock, and we're scoring via run. I think we just. I think that's. I think that's what we need to do. And I think that, that's kind of what I'm expecting. I think Andy Reid's gonna have a run heavy offense this week, um, and we dominate the clock, clean on the penalties, no turnovers. Just go out there and do what we need to do and dominate them in the trenches. I think that's what we need to do. Not much to add to what you guys said. You guys pretty much cover all the bases, but uh, no. Uh, well, how do you see it playing out? Like, what is... no, 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 yeah. That I, I think the Chiefs could could uh, could very well blow this game out, but I, I think this is going to be more of a close game, more of a who's better at trading blows. Mm. Uh, I, I think it's going to come down to the quarterbacks making the plays. Uh, I think it's going to come down to who who has the better offensive line, who has the better uh, quarterback. I think that's what this game is going to come down to. Um, obviously, the, I, I don't I don't see the run game being a factor for the Cowboys uh, since the Chiefs have proven since yeah. de, since the Derrick Henry uh, uh, Titans game that we can we can stop your elite uh, running back. And like you you stated, uh, Sieg is not the same the same he was back in 2016 or whenever he came into the league. He's not the same one. He's no longer uh, the guy eating, right. feeding himself after after every. But he run. feasted on the Falcons. <laughs> well, he praised that. Yeah, uh, yeah, and, and they're coming here. Uh, they're gonna have to deal with the crowd noise. The obviously Arrowhead is loud. Yeah. Uh, so they're gonna have to deal with that. Uh, obviously not them playing in the dome. Uh, 
against a, a powerful opponent like the Chiefs are. We saw what they did with Alex Smith. Alex Smith was able to go into uh, Dallas and, you know, do his thing. We saw Tyreek obviously make a miracle play right before the halftime. Uh, so, yeah, like I said, it's going to come down to what quarterback can make the better play, what quarterback can can, can make those plays, Who who's who's going to uh, have the, the better outcome. So it, it, it all comes down to that. I think our defense is going to be good enough uh, to, to kind of slow down the, the Cowboys. Uh, I, I think our defense can can, put, can start put, putting the pressure on Dak. Um, obviously, you want to you want to blitz you want to blitz Dak uh, early and fast, kind of kind of dictate the game, kind of like uh, tell them that you're not you're not going to let up easily. Um, so hopefully, they have some blitz packages for Dak just to put that pressure in there. Uh, so so we'll see how that goes. But yeah, I will say this: uh, when it comes to blitzing, the Chiefs I think have the six most blitzes in the league uh, per defense. Dak has actually been one of the best quarterbacks in the league against the uh, his blitz. In fact, yeah, his mobility, yeah. And he has three games this season with three or more touchdowns against the blitz. So he he's – I'm assuming the Chiefs are going to play a little bit more of a conservative style cover, where they're going to send two, four, maybe. Yeah. play a little more cover two. And I'm glad you brought that up because against the, the, the Cowboys defense, I know that uh, uh, Dan Quinn, their new defensive coordinator, mm-hmm. former coach for the Falcons – came from the same Gus Bradley school of mm-hmm. thought where he plays a lot of cover two. But this season, the Cowboys have actually not played a lot of cover two at all. They've played a lot of high high single safety, a lot of uh, uh, man please. defense. And that's the kind of defense the Chiefs <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. That's the kind of defense. That. Gus Bradley, as surprising as it was for me, didn't play a lot of cover two against the Chiefs last week, and look what happened. Chiefs dismantled his defense. Guys, the Cowboys don't play that type of defense, and Trevor just put it down – fundamentally, but I'm going to take a little different edge to it because I think, Trevor, you're expecting the, the Chiefs to run the ball a lot. I actually don't because of the fact the Cowboys actually surprisingly yeah, enough are seventh in rush defense this season, and you're going to see the Chiefs actually utilize a running through the air in this one. I think it, I think there's a really good chance that the Chiefs throw the ball again close to 50 times, but the reason it's going to be a little different this time around is because of the fact that the Chiefs are going to be able to Use a lot more uh, uh, dink and dunks to Daryl Williams again. I think there's a chance Clyde Edwards-Helaire plays again in, or plays in this game at least at a limited basis. I, was I, talking, I want to see him a lot. I was talking to my guy Grant from Arrowhead Live this week, and that's what he believes as well. He thinks that you're going to see a little bit of Clyde Edwards-Helaire play, you know, half the snaps or at least a third of the snaps and get him back into this offense and giving another added punch to this offense because adding Clyde to this offense is going to elevate them. Because with Clyde and the offense and without him, they average about eight more points per game with Clyde as opposed to out without him. Now, they had a great game with that last week. But go ahead, Trevor. You get something? No, I, was like, I, was say, I will say about as far as them being good against the run, it's skewed because all the good running teams they face, they've got ran over. They have undersized linebackers. The only, t- only time they haven't pl- they, they've been good against the run is against bad running teams. Well, I'd say the Eagles are a good running team. They held them to 64 They points. don't run the ball really at all. They oh, run Jay- the big... Jalen's, what, well, he has that's a running, 600 and something. That's, that's a running quarterback. That's a running quarterback. They do not run the ball very much. The yeah. Giants did not have a, a Saquon. Uh, the Chargers don't run the ball very much either. Right. They have a, a pass-catching running back. Yeah. And the Bucks beat them because they ran all over them. Uh, the Patriots have a good running game, I will say that. But they had to go to OT for them to win that mm-hmm. one. Uh, Vikings, I think Gavin was banged up in that game. And they're a pass-heavy offense as it is. And then the Broncos ran all over them offensively. So, I mean, and the Falcons are Falcons. Yeah. So, I'm just saying, like, they haven't <laughs> I, had I'm much saying, competition. And when they face good running backs, yeah. they, I'm they, saying they that, What I'm saying is that I think you're, we're both going to be right in a certain sense. The mm-hmm. fact that 
because the, the the Cowboys are not only a banged up but an undersized speedster. We can run through and opportunistic. Yeah. I think what the Chiefs are going to do is use that against them. Their own aggressiveness, their speed. Because awesome. I think they're going to try to get pressure on Patrick Mahomes by just sending three or yeah. four. They're not going to have enough dogs. Here's a crazy stat about Micah Parsons. He's the only defender in the league that has 100 snaps where he rushed the quarterback and 100 snaps where he played in coverage. He's insane. That he's an unbelievable yeah. versatile player. He's going to be a Hall of Famer, man. They're going to they're gonna do the same thing. I think what the Chiefs are going to do, they're going to do the same thing the Ravens did to Chris Jones. They're just going to go the opposite direction. <laughs> wherever, Marty, my, wherever Micah Parsons, he sets up on the right side to try to go by Wiley, yeah. they're going to run oh, the ball power left. I, th- I do. I see that. I just kinda, it's, it was kind of like last week, avoiding Crosby at all costs. That's exactly right. And you saw the chip plays yep. with Travis Kelsey and Blake Bell giving Wiley that extra cushion, that extra second to let Patrick Mahomes do what he wants to do in the offense. I just think if they're without Gregory and Lawrence, I think we could just run a power O all day right. and just run it up there. Uh, run it. I can get top. it, but but I don't I don't see Andy Reid switching his no, offensive style. No, we did do that against the Bills is what I'm saying. We Watch did this. do that against the Bills. Watch this. I think I think, I think think Tyreek Hill is going to have the biggest impact in this game. And the reason why is it's not going to be these huge downfield throws. You're going to see a lot of jet sweep motions. You're going to see some of that, that those little mm-hmm. salad plays. You're going to see who they're going to have on Kelsey. Because think about it, what? they're going to want to get tra- the- what they're going to want. Safeties. What they're going to want is they're going to want to get Trevon Diggs in motion. Yep. They're going to want to see where he's at on all sides of the field. That he's going to be yeah, he's he all over Tyreek Hill's whole around. game. Yeah. Watch for Tyreek Hill. Whatever he's doing in this offense in this game is where this team's going to go and scoring the ball. If, if, if Tyreek Hill is successful in the jet sweeps and they're getting their short little intermediate passes, let him create with his feet. This offense is going to do whatever they want all game long. And especially if they're playing single high. If they're playing single high, please, please I think do. They're going to play a lot of single high. <laughs> yes. no, that's silly, man. Absolutely. And Micah Parsons, like I said, is going to be the most pivotal character. I don't want to downplay what Tremont Diggs has done this season. He's been incredible. I mean, he's, he's taking advantage of his opportunities. Opportunities, yeah. exactly. If the ball's going to be there for him to take it, he's going to take it. But he's going to give up chunk plays. He's going to give up a lot of yards. I think that's what Tyreek Hill's going to do. That's why I think we need to run the ball. And if you get play action and Trayvon Diggs bites on a, a, a route from Tyreek yeah. and Tyreek burns him, yeah. game over, dude. Which is why I'm going to my key players of this game. I think that this is going to be the week where I'm going to pick Tyreek Hill. I think mm. that it's a, it's an easy pick, obviously. But again, if he wins that battle against Trevon Diggs, the Chiefs are going to win this game and they're going to score a lot of points. If Trevon Diggs wins this battle, Chiefs can still win this game, but it's going to be much tighter and much more pulse-pounding as I anticipate. He's my key offensive player in this game. My defensive player of the game, guys, I, it's a dude I don't believe in very much, but I think he's going to have a big game for the Chiefs to be, to slow deck Prescott down. It's Frank Clark. If Frank Clark goes in there and gets a sack, if he gets if he gets a if he gets a couple hits on Dak Prescott, if he gets a sack and a few quarterback pressures, mm-hmm. that's going to change the intricacies of this game. That's going to give the Chiefs an extra possession or two because they might get a strip sack. In fact, I'll predict it. I'm going to say Frank Clark gets a strip sack. That's how I predicted last week. He didn't get and, and I'm going to I'm going to piggyback Almost. off that. I'm saying Frank Clark makes a pivotal stop on the defensive side. I don't think Dak's going to throw an interception in this game because he's been insanely accurate. He only has five interceptions on the yeah. season, so I'm not betting on him throwing up in this game. But I say Frank Clark gets a strip sack where he hits his hand before the ball comes out. Chiefs get the turn, like Deshaun Wharton, somebody like that gets the ball. Chiefs get an extra possession in this game. Could be the benefactor of why this team wins. Tyreek Hill, Frank Clark are my key players of this game. Trevor, who are yours? Uh, offensively, I'm going to go with the running backs, uh, Daryl Williams and and Gore. I don't think obviously I, don't, I think we all are in agreement that we don't think Clyde's going to play this week. Oh, he'll he'll probably play just. I don't think he's going to play. Yeah. I think he'll play a little. I think he'll play, but just a little bit. Of well, I, yeah. So that I'm just going to say that the running backs. Um, I think our running game is going to be the key factor here. I think we're going to be very efficient doing that um, if we stick to it. Which I think, I think, like I was saying, I think we'll pull out that kind of game plan that we did against the Bills when we ran all over them, kept Josh Allen off the field, and our defense pinned them their ears back and just was blitzing them and getting after them. 
And that's about as mobile a quarterback as you can get is Josh Allen. So if we can do that, if we can do that to Dak, especially with them being without Mari Cooper, that's a big loss of that offense. That's going to have that offense kind of in flux. I know they've got Michael Gallup back, which is huge. That's a deep threat guy. So if we can just cap him, not let him beat us deep, um, and just worry about keeping C.D. Lamb under wraps um, in the middle of the field or wherever, and especially in the red zone if they get there. Um, yeah, so um, it'll be the running back the running back crew for me. Whoever it is, I think Daryl's going to eat. I think Gore could eat as well. If Clyde plays, I think Clyde can get some nice, even catch some, catch some passes and eat as well. Um, I like, I just like this matchup against their defensive line against with our offensive line and us playing some power O uh, and establishing the run. I like that. So that's my offensive side. Defensively, I wanted to say Clark again too, back back weeks because yeah. I like, I like the way he's been playing. He's been playing very aggressive. He's bound to make a play here. Um, I'm gonna say Charverius Ward. I think Charverius Ward's gonna mm. get a pick. Oh, I think Charverius mm. Ward's gonna get a pick. I think Tyron's gonna bait. Uh, I think he's going to play the eyes, and he's an effective play, and there's going to be a tip ball, and I think Traverius Ward's going to get a pick on a good play. And I think he has a chance of returning it for some yards, maybe not to the house, but I think Traverius Ward, he's been playing good too. He played really good last week. He's been all over the place. He's been locking dudes up. Um, I really like what I've seen from, from Traverius Ward this uh, this past couple weeks. He's been playing really, really inspired football. I love I love when he's on it. When he's hot, he's hot. He plays really good. So I think I want to say Legere Sneaks. I want to I pick one of these corners. I think one of these corners is going to make a play here. Without with Amari Cooper being out, I think – Dak's going to be forced to make some plays to some guys he doesn't want to, want to. And I think one of those guys is going to make a mistake. And I think there's going to be a tip drill. And I think Trevor Ward is going to have a big player. All right. For my offense, I did say this was going to be a quarterback game. I think it's going to come down to who the better quarterback is. And, and I'm going to go with Patrick Mahomes. Okay. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to go out there and he's, he's going to light it up. He's going to, he's going to repeat what he did to, uh, to, oh. the, to, the, to the Raiders and, and come in here and kind of Kind of, kind of. I'd much rather see that than a running yeah, game. I want yeah. that. I want that. And, and I, I think, I think Mahomes <laughs> is going to be the. He's going to be the key factor of this offense. He's going to, he's going to light it up. I, I think he's going to have a great game. Go. Uh, so that's who, who my offensive player is for this game. As for defensive, defensive player goes, my key player. I was between Melvin Ingram and Snead, but I think I'm going to go with Snead. I think Snead's going to make that one play where uh, uh, Dak Press is going to want to go to CD Lamp. I, I think it's going to be. Uh, everybody's putting that pressure on Dak, uh, and, and he's gonna make that throw. That <clears throat> either underthrows or overthrows uh, C.D. Lamb, but Snead is there, close enough to where he can catch that ball. Because we've seen him make some good, some good interceptions, and Absolutely. and I think he 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 has the potential to to go into this game because I think C.D. Lamb is gonna be their their main target, their main focus. So this is that game where Snead has the potential to 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 take that to take a pick six or just the interception in general. So that that's my two players. I like them. I like them. So, uh, before we get out of here and, and move on to the last uh, segment of the day, who wins this game, Trevor? Oh, we're making predictions. Um, you have to give me a score, just like we did last week. And you I got know. the Chiefs winning this one. I think, like you said, it's a this is a big game, and the Chiefs are rolling higher than the Cowboys are. They, I know they had a bounce back game against a terrible team, but we just had a bounce back game in the biggest game of the year for us so far against a divisional foe who was been who has been playing good football up to that point. Well, they had a couple of losses before that, but either way, like it was a divisional game, big win for the Chiefs. We're right back on track. I think we're rolling higher than the Cowboys are. I don't believe in the Cowboys' defense as much as a lot of people may do, uh, or may think they're as good as they are. I don't think they are. I think I think the Chiefs' offense goes in and takes care of business. I think the Chiefs win. I'm gonna go with Chiefs, but I think it's gonna be a lot closer than what people think. I, I think uh, like a, it has the potential to be a blow, but I, I think 
both teams are going to be trading blows offensively, so it's going to be a much closer game. Should be a shootout. The Cowboys have far too many injuries uh, from key, to key players that can make ultimate differences in the pass rushing game on the defensive side. They can slow things down for the Chiefs' offense. And losing Amari Cooper is going to absolutely pay dividends for the Chiefs in this game. I, I think the Chiefs are going to win this game convincingly. I'm, I, I, look, man, if I, if I can sit here for two and a half hours and, and proclaim this team to be what I think they are, and then pick them to not win this game or to be shaken in my confidence in a home game in a game that they need to absolutely win to continue the trajectory of them winning their division and potentially getting a top two seed in the AFC despite their druthers early on this season, then I'm a fool. I think this team's going to go in there and make an absolute statement. We're going to sit here this seven days from now and talk about how this team is now the favorites in the AFC to win this thing and get back to the Super Bowl and reclaim what once was theirs. Because, guys, as I said last week, Finally, Patrick Mahomes has returned to the NFL. Guys, I think it's for real. I think it's for real. I think Patrick Mahomes is out of his slump because that's what it was. It took him 60-plus games in his career to get a slump. Every quarterback in the history of the NFL has had slumps. It took him the longest, like my guy Nick Wright said. It took him the longest to finally have his. And just one final keynote as to how the Chiefs win this game, the key is number 27. What do, I mean, what do I mean by that? I'm not talking about Rashad Fenton. I'm not talking about any other player that's ever wore the number 27. I'm talking about keeping the Cowboys to 27 or fewer points. Patrick Williams has played 64 career games. And in those 64 career games, the Chiefs have held their opponent to 27 or fewer points 41 times. The Chiefs are 39-2 and two in those games. We also need to run the ball 25 plus times. 20, 21. <laughs> yes, um, Dubs. 39-2. In the games, the Chiefs have held their opponents to 27 or fewer points. That should be the goal for this defense because this Cowboys offense is good. Mm-hmm. And giving up 27 points means you gave up five scoring drives. If the Chiefs can hold the Cowboys to five scoring drives, that means the Chiefs are going to win this game by 95% of the time you win. That means the Chiefs will win this game if they keep the Cowboys to within 27 points, and I think they do. I think the Chiefs keep them within 27 points, right. and we'll see if it happens. We have one more order of business to get to, guys. What is it called? Hold this L. L. We do each and every week as we finish off each and every episode with a series of L's in the world of sports, whether they're friendly or unfriendly. We promise you, who is ever holding the L's in the world of sports, those motherfuckers deserve it. Eddie Ortiz, Mr. Yo-Yo-Yo, who is holding the L for you, and is it F1? I mean, it should be F1, but no, that's not F1. I tried that. <laughs> no, I'm going to give it to Manchester United. Uh, so the Chiefs uh, got out of a slump. Patrick Mullins got out of a slump, but Manchester United is going into that slump. And today they just lost 4-1 to to a team they had no business losing to. Uh, obviously, to some, they have the best player in the world. To me, he's the second best. But um, they just have the, they have the squad to, to potentially win the Premier League, but they are falling short every single weekend. Every single game they, they play, they... Not every single, but it, it recently, every game that they played, it, it's, they're falling short. They're either uh, having to have those late-winning goals, the the late-winning tie-game goals, and and Manchester City exposed them a, a couple weeks ago. Then you had Liverpool exposed them right before that. And obviously Watford uh, came out, exposed them today uh, with four goals. That team is, is falling apart, and it's falling, falling apart quick. They need help, and they haven't gotten any help. It looks like uh, the American owners should, uh, you know, just focus on football here, not, <laughs> not soccer in Europe. <laughs> just a thought. It's just a thought, but yeah, 
they're they're keeping a manager that shit have that, that has no business managing this team. Obviously, he's proven week in week out that he is not to the to the caliber uh, to the caliber of this Manchester United. Uh, I think this Manchester United, if uh, managed properly, could be a, a serious serious champion contender. But because they they are still deciding on their own ways and not moving on from from their manager and just trying to stay. I don't know what the fuck they're trying to do, but yeah. So, Manchester United, you're going to have to do me a favor and hold this L. Trevor Twitwell, who's hold the L for you this week? Speaking of losing to teams you had no business losing to, um, I'm not a big college football guy, to be honest, but I do know that <laughs> Texas takes a big pride in their college football and football in general. The Cowboys coming into town as well. Um, just this past Saturday, that evening of our last show, I, mean, I would have mentioned this as that news broke on the show immediately. Um, I'm a big KU guy, though. I will say that. But KU hoops is kind of where we dominate. We've never been a football team or a football town with, with, with a collegiate sports, really. Um, but the Jayhawks football team went into Texas and dropped 57 points yeah. on, the Tex- on, the, on the Longhorns' heads. Massive upset. I know some a couple of guys that made a lot of money on that game because they they put some money in on that upset, which is a terrible bet. If anybody's betting, like that's a terrible. Like no one has seen like off up front at, at face value. It's like a lose lose. You're just throwing money away. You're just burning cash. But my goodness, last second field goal put them up by one, fifty seven to fifty six. A team had no business, you know, even on the same competing field as a Texas college team uh which is you know has history of riches and greatness um and a lot of great players coming from that those programs either way real quick yeah the spread in that game yeah dude it's wild the texans were 30 and a half point favorites <laughs> 30 and that's what i'm saying it's like you're burning cash you're betting favorites. on the you're betting on the ku to win that game <laughs> KU fucking it's won. one of the biggest upsets i've ever seen in college sports dude, like, that's bet on ku fucking 50, bank. 50 straight 56 straight and the and they covered. Road, road game conference losses, right? They won and Jay covered. Ha- yeah, the Jayhawks literally beat the streak. Yeah. They scored 57 yeah. over 56 losses. Bro, <laughs> so wild. I, ca- I, couldn't, I couldn't not mention that on the show. So with that, I got to give my Longhorn fr- friends and family, whoever support that team, I know y'all got a massive pride with the Longhorns. Do me a favor and hold, hold this L. So I have, I- I'm kind of greedy this week. I uh, I have a couple W's I want to give. I'm gonna be very brief on them, but I have some juicy L's that I want to hand out as well. The the, the W's I want to hand out to uh, go to two unlikely quarterbacks that both were heroes this last week, and that is Shane Bouchelle and Taylor Hineke. Shane Bouchelle, because of the fact that I think there's a lot of credit given to him, I, I think the Chiefs would still be in the Raiders regardless if Shane Bouchelle came to Patrick Mahomes and the guys about a video. But I, I love the fact that a guy from almost like the, the great beyond contributed to this game. He wasn't even on the active roster. Giving Patrick Mahomes some motivation, giving him some of that, you know, some of that, that extra juice and vibe to it to get him back into what we know him to be, which is the greatest football player in the world. And because of that, Shane Bouchelle not only got credit, he's now on the active roster because other rosters wanted to go and pick him up out the practice squad. The so now he's on the actual team. How long that's going to last, I don't know, but there is a future that could potentially be there for Shane Bouchelle as Patrick Mahomes' backup from here on out after Chad Hingley probably retires after this season. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So i, I got to give a W to my guy Shane Bouchelle because I think he absolutely contributed to this victory in some form, in some fashion. 
giving Patrick Mahomes that confidence and got himself a roster spot because of it. You can't tell me there isn't some coincidence. And I, will say, I don't know if you know the details about that video that he showed Patrick Mahomes about the getting the swagger back, all that. No, I don't know. Well, because that's where, that's where that where Kelsey got that. I got my yeah, swagger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That video. Mike Dana was on that team. Oh, that's awesome. high school team. Now that's awesome. I did not know that. Yeah, I did not know that, that was a teammate of Mike Dennis in that video. That, I think yeah. I got my swagger so back. That's from a few. Yeah. I love that. That was yeah. Mike Dennis' high school team. That's great. I yeah. did not know that. It's a crazy small little world how that – because that video is old. That video is like yeah. six years old or something like that. Trevor mentioned uh, – That's not old. Trevor, I mean, Trevor mentioned a, another um, – the, the the covering of the spread that the, the, the Jayhawks did on the Texans – or the, the Texas Longhorns, mm-hmm. rather. Well, there was an NFL team that decided to do that as well. <laughs> they were uh, ten and a half point favorites, I believe, or ten and a half point underdogs at home to – the uh, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And my guy, Taylor Hineke, mm-hmm. who I am such a fan of, and played an absolute baller game in the playoffs last year without a home crowd against the future Super Bowl champions, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, went in that game as a severe underdog to Tom Brady and completely outperformed Got his revenge. Tom Brady. Got himself an 81% completion percentage for 256 yards and a touchdown with a 110 quarterback rating and a game-winning drive, a game-deciding drive, I should say, and beat the Bucks by double digits. I'm going to give a W to my guy Taylor Henneke, who was a backup coming into this season behind Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I think he's earned himself a starting spot in this league. He's played well enough, not great, but well enough to get himself a second contract to wherever he wants to go or wherever, whoever wants him, maybe even Washington. Who's to say? Yeah. But I, I want to give a W to him. And for the third straight action of my segment, I'm giving it to another quarterback. Um, and this is going to be an L, actually. Oh. So we heard this complete horseshit story from Ian Rappaport this last week about Russell was what Russell Wilson <laughs> practicing and rehabbing for 19 hours a day, which by the way was absolutely hilarious because <laughs> all these nutritionalists, all these rehab experts and trainers 19 and all hours these, a week is were, probably too were, much. Yeah, they're, they're, like, they were saying they were saying that it's physically impossible that he would be able to do that, especially yeah. with his schedule as a father of, of multiple children, a husband a famous person that does commercials and has all these other things going on. Jesus, it's sorry, literally, man. yeah, exactly. And being Mr. 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 Unlimited. <laughs> all those things considered, he, yes, to do all this cringy bullshit on his own social media. I see. He goes out there night after 19 hours of rehab every single day and gets eggshelled for the first time in his yeah, career. That was horrible. If man. only Russ, Russ, if only you would have been practicing for 24 hours a day, maybe you would have gotten three points. I should have put in Gina. But it's, since you wanted to be selfish and have five hours of non-rehab, you got yourself a zero and you got yourself an L. So do me a solid and hold this L. L. My last L is a personal Jesus one, guys, Christ. because this one. What the fuck? Oh, I've been waiting for this one. You know, one of my favorite things to do is to piss off people with verified accounts, especially former athletes, where I'm just simply bringing up facts. This week, it's Nick Mangold. Uh, he decided to be a guest on uh, one of our favorite shows, Good Morning Football, this week, and he was breaking down the Chiefs and Raiders matchup. And he, I'm not even, I'm not going to quote him. I'm not even going to try to paraphrase. I'm going to let him say what he said on this show, and then I'm going to give you the facts that pissed him off and went after me. This is Nick Mangold this week. Hold on, real quick, real quick, real quick.
Yeah, he, uh, he's, he's the Chiefs killer. Um, so what I decided to do was was tweet at Nick Mangold just some facts. I didn't disrespect him in any way. Maybe maybe it's disrespectful to correct him, but uh, Derek Carr is now three and twelve uh, in his career versus the Chiefs while putting up an illustrious stat line of this: sixty-two completion percentage, 241 yards per game, twenty-three touchdowns, sixteen interceptions, with an eighty-one quarterback rating. That that that's a killer. Chiefs killer. Killer. Okay, Nick. Um, and so I decided to tweet that to Nick Mangold, and those are, I didn't say anything disrespectful. Nick Mangold goes, yeah, I messed it up on live TV. Congrats. Nick, I, I didn't want to make you so mad, man. I, I didn't want to get you in your feelings. And, and you're a Jawa on Twitter. Literally, you're Photoshopped as a Jawa, which is hilarious. Um, and I didn't think that would get you so upset, man. Maybe just go with the force next time and just trust your gut and pick Patrick Mahomes over Derek Carr, not calling it a bloodbath of the Death Star when it's really a Roomba to begin with, and, and, and give us some credit over here in Kansas City because Derek Carr has been anything but – a Chiefs killer in his career. In fact, the Chiefs have killed him several times over to the point where even the Raiders fans, and now, including our guy Raider Cody, by the way, uh, decided to uh, to turn their back and, and get off social media for a couple of days because of this beatdown of the Men- Chiefs. Mental break. And to give, yeah, ended up giving uh, that Death Star and, and Mr. Derek Carr, who we know is, as the Chiefs killer. So, Nick, Mr. M- Mr. Nick Mangold, do me a solid and uh, hold this down. Appreciate you. That was fun. There's an L in Mangold, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, you can't spell a Mangold without an L. You got another one, then? No, I decided to oh, decide. Jesus, enough is enough. We've fun. had our fun for the we had, day. We're on a roll. We're about to have fun this week, guys, because I think the Chiefs are going to establish themselves as the best team again in the AFC, beating the Cowboys, I believe, this week. We're going to give you guys our full slate of picks, on, predictions, and our scores. this Tomorrow, at this time, roughly when the, when the, when the games get going, we're really excited about this. Really appreciate all you guys for hanging tough. It's been an absolute blast as it is each and every episode. And we're clean, we're climbing up to episode 150, guys. We're almost there. But in the meantime, for episode for or, I'm sorry, for Eddie Ortiz, Mr. Yo Yo Yo, for Trevor Twidwell, for the great, great Clay Windler, for everybody that has been chiming in on the Monday mailbag, our guys Stan Simmons, Shaggy Shane, Billy Hodge, all you guys, man. We greatly and genuinely appreciate all of you for contributing and making this what this is. I am Lance Twidwell, the Spoken Podcast. Episode 143 is done. We're gonna get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See ya. You are tuned into the spoke. I might actually stick I might actually stick around for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs>